connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too. Realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. My name is Henry Jarvis, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. I am a host, James, and I am joined as sometimes by... Brad, another and, host. <laughs> and? Zach, resident goofball. Uh, I always say a host when it's me because I'm not like... Ryan says the host, yeah, so I think it's funny. Because he's an just, egomaniac. Yeah, I, draw, <laughs> I like to draw attention to the fact that I'm not the host. I'm a co-host, and therefore you're a democratic not host. The host, uh, but sitting in for Ryan this week, uh, maybe even better, uh, <laughs> is fan favorite Corinne. Corinne, thanks for coming. Fan favorite. Well, I don't know. We didn't have a poll or anything, but <laughs> oh, the, I want to see the results of that. You're the only one in the running, so you automatically win. Oh, um, thanks. But uh, what about yeah. the talking dog we had on that one time? Right. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to be a good episode this week. What? <laughs> Why? If you say because Ryan's not here, I'm gonna shut no, this motherfucker no, down. No, it's because Zach's here. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> so, you are sitting in for Ryan. This so, is great. I don't so like girl Ryan. So, so every episode Ryan. this year has been terrible. So you're saying <laughs> <laughs> Zach, the most consistent person on the podcast. Oh man, hey, I'm gonna well, get a new card that just says Zach Eastman, human punching bag. Oh <laughs> I feel like I've gotten my jab in for the night. So <laughs> no, Ryan, it's okay. Keep going. <laughs> I did right. Now I'm you did stop, great. Though. He's he's so proud. <laughs> I just repress it all into a tumor that sings. So, <laughs> um, you also you also brought us all a whole bunch of uh, cigarette candies, kind of like those Spider Man ones we had. Yeah, except these are way better. Um, mm. Are they? There's only two people on them. Yeah, they're the DC <laughs> ones. So they're Batman and Superman. I don't know. Just I don't pretend f- they're from the DC <laughs> animated universe. Well, that's fine. At least I'm ten times better. I don't look know. They're at, not bringing at, me to Flavor Country. This Superman <laughs> looks like they put a little boy's head on a giant man's neck. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, I think it's the <laughs> angle, but it's true. Anyway, um, yeah, they they still taste like complete garbage, though. I don't know why. I've eaten boxes and boxes of these cigarette candies. Uh, it's and the sweepings from the candy factory floor pressed into uh, a big giant tube. I would believe it. They actually Along with some chalk. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it's like from the from the double bubble floor because they, it tastes a little bit like bubble gum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the <laughs> what they do is they sweep up all the like the industrial shavings from the double bubble they yeah. collect on the ground and then put them in a container. Yeah, and then dump them into a vat that liquefies them into candy sticks. They just press them in a soap press. You know, like those little. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, our double bubble stocks are down. Ah, shit. Get those candy cigarettes out there. Let's make up some profits. Start (laughs) cutting up the linoleum floor and (laughs) selling them as cigarettes. 
Those kids will love them. Those shits will eat anything. <laughs> anyway, um, this week, uh, well, no, every week we go see a movie and we podcast our experience to the world. And this week we went and saw Murder on the Orient Express. Oh shit! 2017, I, as I, it will always be known. I saw I saw Second Degree Homicide on the Darjeeling Limited. Did oh, I fail? You, yeah, you did it wrong. Shit. Uh, with that joke. Oh. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I would um, just like to go ahead and say that there, my one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who is Mummy on the Orient Express. So if <laughs> I accidentally say Mummy instead of Murder, I apologize in advance. That's awesome. Tell everyone the story of Mummy on the Orient Express. I don't know. Clara and the Doctor make goo goo eyes at each other. That's pretty much all that happens. Is there a For mummy on the train? Well, yeah. <laughs> in space. It's in space. It. Is there a mummy on the train? Well, yeah. <laughs> It's it's but clearly it makes goo eyes at those two guys who are making goo goo eyes at each other. Wait, if it's in space, it attacks people like they die within sixty seconds of seeing it. It's actually a really good episode. So if, if you've never seen an episode of Doctor Who, I recommend it. If it's in space, where's the Orient? The far east of space. I don't know. Whatever. That's just what it's called. Okay? Space Asia. <laughs> duh. The fuck. <laughs> uh, it's called Spasia. Thank you. Um, space Asia. Oh my goodness. That's when cool. Asia does a concert in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crin, how's it going? You been good the lately? Heat of the moment. Been good. Yeah. <laughs> Things are fine. Yeah. Yep. Missed my Thor Ragnarok episode, so haven't seen it yet because I didn't know whether I should or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is I our know. that is our Sorry. bad. You should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for the, for anybody who's listening and hears this first, maybe because the Thor episode's not out, uh, we're having, oh my God, Seagate ruined all of our data for six years issues. So if uh, when that episode comes out, uh, just be thankful and uh, maybe don't yell at us. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, Brad is doing his best, and it's not his fault. Uh, I've done everything Spending I can to way help. Too much time trying to figure it out. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. Like when when literally you all of your backup files like just shit a brick one day. You're like, oh, I was relieved boy. because one time I formatted the hard drive with all the Jean Claude Van Damme's damn van files on it. Yeah, and this software I found just completely like like one click brought oh, it all wow. back. Cool. And I was hoping that would work this time, and it's not. So, huh. Yeah, but this yeah. isn't a formatting issue. This is just right. a straight up like. This is just like a ah, I hate you. Yep, it's turned into like a horrible little Nazi. Um. So anyway, like you're one folder that away sucks. from getting your files, but I'm still yeah, not going to understand the f- file. Th- that's ar- the problem when you open it. You can see it. Like you, you know it's there. Like it's mocking you. It's yep. it's just evil. Um, this sounds like but, a George Lucas excuse where you're like, oh, all the original uh, Star oh, Wars no. are, uh, <laughs> are I put them on a hard drive <laughs> in my the- basement where I watch my good movies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably the worst part is feeling like it would have been so easy to just take both those folders and back them up somewhere else. Yeah. Well, once you get and it we fixed, have this problem. we will take that those folders and we'll back them up on one of my hard drives and, yep. you know, or we'll like mail them to Timbuktu and, you know, just to make sure that Nothing can ever happen to it, and you know. Coming uh, next year, Real Nerds Pod Show Season One, the special edition, right. <laughs> completely uh, reshot and reedited. <laughs> Corinne, since Ryan's not here, I can ask you a question I've always had: uh, How much does he pay you to keep his conspiracy charges out of the newspaper? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, We're trying to implicate him in a murder. Actually, well, Ryan and his colleagues have been in the newspaper a lot because we started a police blotter section a couple weeks ago. Oh, cool. So we get to do, like, well, it's not just Idaho Springs, although there's plenty of weird stuff going on there, but... um, (laughs) 
so many weird things. There shouldn't be. There really shouldn't no, there, be. There, there is, and there really kind of should be. Because like <laughs> so many weirdos go through that town. Oh, passer-throughs. Passer yeah, and just the people there are weird, so. It's like <laughs> Twin Peaks, but actually interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, anytime um, there's like a chase or a theft or an assault or something, we put it in the newspaper. Sometimes it's in Idaho Springs, but sometimes it's just out in Clear Creek County. I keep waiting for the day when the come and go burns down and somebody reveals like, oh, it's been a drug front for 15 years. <laughs> Just because everything illegal, in my mind, happens at the come and go. The come and go is just, uh, the windows are just pictures of a convenience store, and inside is actually a meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, guess, I think I've stopped at the come and go. It's like the only landmark in the whole town. There's a, when we were driving, uh... There's like a whole to, downtown section. Well, the, yeah, but... Downtown you, is a very loose but term then here. <laughs> you gotta get, when I, you gotta get off the highway to find it. Yeah, you know, just saying. You have to get off the highway to go to the come and go. If you're like me and you're just staying on the highway, when you're driving through Idaho Springs, all you see is the come and go. If you want to recreate you just go. the movie Psycho in Idaho Springs, it's very easy to do that. There are so many fucking motels in that area. Are there really? Oh, yeah. Like, we were driving over to his house to go see uh, Cult Chucky and... It's just motel after motel after motel, and I'm like, ugh, I want to put. I, mean, I don't even want to take a black light into there. Like it would just sh- bright and shine in my face. I bet they're happy places. Oh, no. I bet they're just. Fine. They're not. <laughs> they're really not. I was trying <laughs> to start defending it because I was being such an ass. People living in those hotels. Mm. Well, yeah, it's, but you know, bad. they're doing their best. They're trying Fair, as hard as they but can. That doesn't mean it's. It's nice. I'm trying to redeem myself for being an asshole about it, and uh, you're not letting it's me. It's just a town full of people trying to get their life back on track so they can reclaim the love of their uh, lost wife or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. It's an inspirational town in its and, own way. Well, and apparently everyone in Idaho Springs has a warrant out for their arrest somewhere, because anytime they pull anyone over, there's a warrant out for their arrest. It does sound like that when I hear stories. Oh, cool. Anyway. Sorry, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Idaho Springs. Yeah, it's the movie but. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Talk about the movie we saw this week, which was... Sure. Uh, we saw Murder on the Orient Express. And then Corinne says, if I say <laughs> Mummy on the Orient Express, it's because of this. The, well, where have you been? I'm this still is worried how, about our data, Brad, man. Brad, this is how we got... He's, <laughs> he's like, I'm still thinking about that hard drive. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, later, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We'll talk about movie news and what we've been watching and what's coming out on Blu-ray this week. And then at the end, we're going to review Murder on the Orient Express... 2017 and uh we will talk about it tell you whether or not you should see it then we'll play the trailer and then we'll inevitably spoil the hell out of it because it is a mystery and uh oh quick question just before we get to it how many people here knew the story of murder on the Orient express before we got there awesome 50 fi- oh sorry for those of for those of you uh with only <laughs> ears uh zach and i have obviously uh known the story and then yeah. corinne and Brad i knew did not. the basic premise and i knew Murder on how, the train. I knew how it ended. Like oh. I knew who was behind it. Oh, okay, somebody cool. spoiled it for me. Okay, all right. So, but I didn't know like the reasoning and the motive and all that. Sure. So, so we're covering all the bases here of Brad who knew nothing, well, Zach and I who knew the story. And before then, we get to the end, I would like to point out that I had two strong guesses for the ending. Oh, and we'll get one there. One of them was true. Okay. Okay. So. Interesting. All right. It was um, Arthur Lee Allen the entire time. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we will uh, get to that eventually. But first, uh, we. We'll go around town with Bradley. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. 
Now that there's no drive-in. This is the part where Ryan sings a song. <laughs> Don't make me pull a shitty Simon Cowell impression to tell you to stop. <laughs> okay. I thought that was pretty good. I thought you liked that Ryan wasn't here. Why do you keep bringing it up that he isn't? Yeah, I don't know how to host this show without here. him, man. Oh, I've Where's done this for you? six years. I, I, I only know how to do it with Ryan. <laughs> That's what she Clearly said. Brad. <laughs> Brad, what's going on? Uh, yeah, like I said, not much. Now the drive-in's uh, closed for the season, so I'm kind of lost on I think it's Akira this week. Yeah, let's go with Akira. <laughs> when is... Um... Well, they show that every month. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Was Pan's Labyrinth last week? No, it was um, Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Well, Pan's Labyrinth is up on the uh, Esquire marquee right now. Oh, because I think they're doing... Oh, uh, is it not midnight showings? It's just like... It's like like showing their 7 o'clock series. Oh, um, okay, Which they do do, but it's so infrequent. Yeah, and sometimes they do like a... They'll do classic ones. They've shown like, like classic Mar- films like Casablanca and stuff like <gasps> that. They've, they've shown some Marx Brothers films there, and I've wanted Isn't to go see it. the 75th terribly. anniversary this year? It is. You know how I know that? Because I saw a segment on it on CBS Sunday morning. I'm like, I've been watching I can do that math. for years. A friend of mine posted a thing. It's playing at like a Regal or an AMC. Yeah, yeah. I saw a little thing before my movie today. The encore is on the 17th, so I'm going to go. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And cool. just watch that again. I love it. It was so good. It, it's, it's the second best film ever made, or the third best film ever made, because um, Zodiac and Jackie Brown. No. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, uh, I guess the Emerging Filmmakers Project is on Thursday. Um, but I'll be at Justice League, so. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck. Not even I'll be there. Uh, uh, why don't you want to yeah. support local filmmaking? Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I support local filmmaking like 10 other months out of the year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you're right. It is Pan's, La- Pla- Pan's Labyrinth this week. Sorry. <laughs> Akira is the week after. Okay. Well, look at that. Your nope. name's Bradley. That's wrong, too. <laughs> what? Your name's Bradley? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was just Brad. Oh, I, they're the same name to me. Okay. <laughs> we I, call him Radley. No, it's weird. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's always been the same name to me, but like 90% of the people who know my name, like find out my name, or, like, think they're completely di- different, different. Really? Yeah. That's hmm. like, uh, isn't it like a... Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Common name. To keep everything straight, next weekend is Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. The weekend after that's The Room and Rocky Horror. And then the weekend after that, December 1st and 2nd is Akira. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And they're so playing we... American Tale uh, in January. So I'm probably going to see that one. Yeah. We'll have to go there. So it'll be. St- we'll have to go somewhere out there, though, to go see it, right? So I'm coming <laughs> a mile away. <laughs> Terrible. We'll watch it under a pale moonlight. <clears throat> oh, man. Just, 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 just. <laughs> And that's what's going just, on around town. Just why? Okay. Uh, here's the segment where James slowly Googles the uh, schedule for the Alamo. <laughs> Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mintz-Bloss. I'm Martin Starr. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Night. It all depends on his internet connection. I want Howard Cosell to do commentary on you searching Google. <laughs> uh, what technique? <laughs> I want Morgan Freeman to voice it over. <laughs> I was going to do a Morgan and Freeman impression, then I was like, nope. James Hot was my friend. <laughs> James Hot scrolled through a pile of shit. <laughs> on two- Why does that sound like <laughs> Cleveland from, <laughs> from uh, Family Guy? Probably because they're both black, and that's what black people sound like. <laughs> oh, that's racist. Wait, 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 we got to move on. Uh, the best of Bowie, <laughs> before it gets worse. Uh 
Best of Bowie is on Tuesday at the Sloan's Lake location is The Man Who Fell From Earth. And on the same day, there's a free victory screening of Creature from the Black La, I assume, Goon. And it's going to be in 3D. Uh, is it really? Yeah, it is. They, have, they restored a print. It's the, it's the color 3D. Like the real, like the red green color. 3D. I think it's, it's actually, not, it's actually, I think it's actually real D three D. Oh, so that it actually like they converted it to okay, cool. Sorry, yeah. what? The, the creature from the black room. Oh, because it was originally released yeah, in three D. I yeah. started goon, so I was like, that hockey movie? No, no. <laughs> um, actually, when you get that Steelbook limited edition uh, at Best Buy, it's in three D as well. So cool. That's pretty neat. Uh, Vinyl Me Please Mass Education Party is going to be on Friday the 17th at the Sloan's Lake edition, uh, location, uh, as well as something called XX. I don't remember what that is. I feel like I've seen a trailer for that. Is, oh, that Maybe. might be the woman's um, uh, horror anthology. Yes, it's the one where the lips are a skull. So if you've seen the poster where lips are a skull and you thought, I want to see that movie. Uh, that's going to be there on Friday. And then on Saturday, the 18th, uh, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, uh, <gasps> as part of their uh, Guillermo del Toro, Toro. celebration. Oh, I freaking love that movie. Uh, all of that, of course, again, is at the Sloan's Lake, Sloan's Lake location. That movie made me too big a Barry Manilow fan. You have no idea. Uh, Tragedy Girls is showing this week at the Littleton location. I don't think that's just showing. That's not really special. It's, one of their it's just the first things. thing I saw. Uh, the feast this week at the Littleton location is on Tuesday the 14th, and it's Casino. Um, that movie's okay. And, uh, oh, yeah, the also Golden uh, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, is going to be there on Wednesday the 15th. And what else am I missing? Oh, uh, Mile High Movie Roast is Red Dawn on Friday the 17th. Uh, so if you want to see Red Dawn, I hope... Uh, you can honor Harry Dean Stanton that way. I would have more fun if it was the new one. Avenge me! Uh, and then Suspiria is showing on Saturday the 18th. That just got a new restoration Blu-ray release. It did. Yep. Um, and since we won't have time for it either, uh, at the Littleton location on the 19th, uh, Crimson Peak is the next one in their uh, thingy. I haven't seen that yet. So Cool. Uh, oh, man. On the 21st, they're showing Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 3D. Pretty good. That's a good movie. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's everything at the Alamo Draft House. There we go. So, uh, Brad, what do you want to do next? Uh, let's see what's coming out on Blu-ray. Okay. Perfect. Get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Have you seen this? But there's been a new breakthrough in home video market: instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie is finished. Okay, this one, you have to check this out sometime. I can't even... Just promise me you'll rent it. Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. That's much too early. Prepare to fast forward. Prepare to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. Atomic Blonde is out on 4K this week, uh, as well as a, a. I think there's two different steel books. There's a Best Buy one, and then I think I saw a different one as well. Does um, the steel book one look cool? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it looks cool the way that art for Atomic Blonde looks cool. Okay. Um, here, let me look at. Is this an actual steel book, or is this a. Yeah, I think there's. Oh, no, they're the same. There's just two entries on Blu ray.com, so that's, mm. a, that's all. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Wind River, uh, which is that movie with Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen that I have heard many good things about. Directed um, by the guy who wrote Hell or High Water and Sicario. Uh-huh. Hawkman. Uh, and written... Hawkeye and the Scarlet Witch. Yes. Movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, only they're lost in the world of the gray, um, and there is no magic. Uh, no, it's actually... Oh, I heard the story about it um, where it's like a, it's a murder mystery on an Indian reservation because... Apparently, the actual statistics are that like a surprisingly large amount of women go missing on Indian reservations and they're never found. So it's like a based on kind of true events or at least kind of true statistics, like cool murder mystery. Inspired by true events. Um, yeah, yeah, inspired. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see it. I actually, it, I almost, I wanted to rent it on Amazon today, but you can only buy it right now. Mm. So I figured if I was going to buy it, I would just wait till the Blu-ray came out. Yep. Uh, ugh, fall from Grace. Uh, Nut Job Two, Nutty by Nature, is on Blu-ray this week. Uh, so if I, you want to, I gotta know what happened to Will Arnett Squirrel. Watch that happen. Jackie Chan's in it. That's too bad. <laughs> um, George A. Romero, Between Night and Dawn, uh, which is a documentary from Arrow this week. Um, that's on Blu-ray, so you can check that out. Uh, Gilbert is a documentary about Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, from the guy who made the um, the Harmontown documentary cool. uh, a couple of years ago. I like Gilbert Godfrey. So. He's a funny man. Season 2 of Preacher is out on Blu-ray this week, so I can finally catch up on that. Does uh, it exist? Actually, sure I already it? own it because uh, I bought it on Amazon, so I have the whole thing. I just sort of fell off. I guess I should. It may not exist. Yeah, it's uh-huh. entirely possible that show never came out, and I'm just having crazy, lucid uh, <laughs> dreams, but... I just love the days when you still couldn't believe that it was happening. <laughs> I, that show didn't happen. Uh, Doctor Who, the, the complete 10th season. Uh, none of these words work. The 10th season. The 10th season. But I always, like, it says series, series. and then I, you know, because it British season. people. Yeah. Because yeah, British are weird. Yeah. <laughs> but they're awesome. Anyway, is it, this is the last season before the lady takes over. Yep. And we got pictures of her this week. Yep. Being so, like a lady. At the Good Christmas special. Capaldi will exit, and I forget her name, but she'll come on at the very end. Jodie Whittaker. Are they going to call her Doctress, or like just not make just a big be deal? The out doctor. Of it? Okay, good. That's what they should do. It would be offensive if they did anything else. <laughs> um, Amityville: The Awakening, which is a I think straight to DVD. No, Damn, it movie? did it come it, out? No, it was supposed to come out two years ago, and it sat on the shelf. A lot of the horror community knew about it, and we knew that it wasn't uh, gonna, it probably wasn't ever gonna be released. Two weeks ago, it came out on Directv on demand and very limited theatrical release, and it only made one hundred and eighty-seven dollars total box office. One hundred and eighty-seven dollars. Yes. You didn't leave off a thousand. Nope. So what ar- is that? There That's ar- like there was an article like about ten it. sales. I, I guess so. There was an article about it on like Slash Film or something. I was just like, that's like that's shitty. That's awful. They put all their money in the um, uh, on-demand market for it, like to cut their losses. I guess. I don't um, know. They was, that the, was that a Shia LaBeouf movie or something? <laughs> no, it's no. Uh, Bella Thorne, Jennifer Jason Lee, Cameron Monaghan. I don't know. Um, I, feel I mean, like other, I'd other heard than Jennifer Jason Lee, An- Amityville Awakening. It's it's another yeah. Amityville horror movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. I must be thinking of a different movie then. <laughs> I bet people kill each other in a house. Uh, the Incredible Shrinking Shrinking Woman is out from Shout Select this week. That's a fun film. Uh, I have no idea what this is. What is this movie? The, oh, it's Lily Tomlin, and it's yes. it's, just, it's just a barrel of fun. So watch it. 
Does she does she shrink down and then ride on a small monkey on a skateboard? I could tell you, but you could easily purchase the Blu-ray and watch mm, it. Yeah, but that doesn't convince me to buy it. It's 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 a goofy little sci-fi flick. It's fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, it's uh, I bet the Blu-ray release is really good. Uh, Best Buy's got the Psycho Complete Four movie collection out this week, uh, but this is like basically just the movies, right? That none of this is the <sighs> no, the it's good it's, stuff. It's Universal exercising their rights to screw it up. Um, mm-hmm. but they uh, but I like it because the packaging looks neat. Yeah, it looks but pretty I cool. want. I wish they could have done like what they did with the Halloween series, where the Shout Factory or the Scream Factory releases of two, three, and four could be packaged in with what Universal did with Psycho 1 because they, yeah. they do fine with Psycho 1. Like, yeah. There's plenty of special features on it. Yeah. Uh, but no, like it's all special features related to Psycho, and then 2, 3, and 4 are bare-bones theatrical trailer. Cool. So, cool. Not worth 50 bucks in my opinion, but whatever. There is a Steelbook edition of Hellraiser out this week from Arrow. Um, it has exactly the art you would expect for a Hellraiser steelbook. Is it a puzzle box? Uh, no, no. It's just like a profile of his face, and he's got pins in his face. Oh. Because he's a pin face. Oh. Pin cushion man. Pin cushion. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Pin head, yeah. sorry. N- nail guy. <laughs> uh, the Paul Nashy Collection 2. I don't know who Paul Nashy is. Who's Paul Nashy? But it's from Shout, Shout Factory. Uh, it's got a, a werewolf man and then a zombie lady. I should probably know who Paul Nashy is. No clue. No idea who he is. Uh, oh, 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 okay. Hunchback of the Morgue, Devils Possessed, The Werewolf and the Yeti, Exorcism, A Dragonfly for Each Court. I, I'm not having a seizure. These are all movies that are in the collection. Um, Those all sound fun. Yeah, I really want to see Hunchback of the Morgue. Sounds like some kind of weird Halloween Mad Libs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so you can check that out from uh, Scream Factory this week as well, uh, or uh, Shout Factory. And then also from them is uh, the best title of the week, uh, Attack of the Puppet People, um, which surprisingly enough is a movie where really, I think little tiny people fight like a ferret. Or something like little itty bitty people like pick up a table knife and try to stab a ferret with it based on the cover. I'm just uh, just go everybody who is not driving a car right now. Go look up Attack of the Puppet People. Uh, they prefer um, to be called Muppets. No, 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 no. These are puppets. It also says something about doll dwarfs versus the crushing giant beasts. Mm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the cover is amazing. Um, and then last but not least is the highly controversial uh, un, uh, unauthorized prequel to 8 Below with Paul Walker. 6 Below, Miracle on the Mountain, starring Josh Hartnett. I don't actually think it's in any way related to the Paul Walker movie. It's not. Uh, but it's called 6 Below, which is just quite, not quite as cold as the Paul Walker movie. Okay. Um, that's all on Blu-ray this week, so you can check that out. Or not. Uh, Brad, what's next? I guess we should do what we've been watching. Good job. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I would have said real news. Corinne, what have you been watching? A lot. Oh, my gosh. With the time change, I feel like I've had so much more free time because it gets dark sooner, and so then it's like... 
No time for a walk because it's really cold outside. Yeah, fuck walking. <laughs> Walking's for losers. <laughs> yeah, I got time for walking. So I watched this show on Netflix called Alias Grace. Did any of you guys watch I it? I only no. heard the name. I haven't. I've, there's so much content on Amazon that I really I'd... strongly on Netflix. Like it's been on like the top of my little. You know, like when you yeah. log in and it's like at the top. You know, the little promo yeah. banner thing. Yeah, it was. It kept popping up, so and it kind of looked interesting. So I figured I might as well. And it was only six episodes, and each episode was like fifty minutes long. So I mean, I watched it all in an evening, sun, last Sunday. Um, it's based on a true on true events. Um, it's a lady in like Victorian era Canada. And she gets, yeah, actual Victorian era, Ryan, not like 1930s. Because <laughs> remember, he has a problem with that. He yeah. does, um, yeah. But she gets convicted of murdering her employer and his um, mistress slash house. Um, what do you call him? The, maid? Not a maid, but a... Governess? No, not a governess. Whoever's in charge of the household. Babysitter? Oh. No, the... How the not a housewife? I don't know why I keep thinking midwife? housewife. No, not a midwife. <laughs> but, but she's essentially valet. No, that's a that's a guy. <laughs> I'm master of the housekeeper. Why can't a woman be a valet? Slash mistress, because then she'd be a maid. Yeah. But anyway, so she and another um, employee of the house conspired to murder the housekeeper who was also the boss's mistress and then the boss. And he hangs for it and she gets the death penalty, but then like she, they, they give her some kind of a pardon or something, but she, she gets life in prison. And so it's this doctor comes in to analyze her like a therapist, psychiatrist or something. And he interviews her and they go through her life and kind of see all the things that led her to be the person that she is and led her to commit this murder because she doesn't remember it happening. Like, she just kind of blanked out and she doesn't remember actually whether she killed them or not. Um, that she just remembers, like, waking up and it was like, oh, they were, you know, miles away and they were on the road to run off somewhere. And so it kind of explores her past and her psychology and what led her to presumably being a murderess. So. Is it real? Did I miss the part where it's like a real story? Like this is a real woman. This is, well, yeah, it was a real woman. Oh, okay. I was just really assuming the whole, way, the whole time that this was like a, oh, and then as you kept going, I was like, this sounds like a, this no, sounds way really creepier happened. and worse. Oh, um, okay. Although, I, I mean, I'm sure they, you know, they took artistic sure. license with some of the details that occur in the show. Uh, at the end, you kind of figure out why she did the things she did or didn't do the things she didn't do. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but huh. um, it's really, really good. Um, I, th- I will say, though, that literally every guy in the show is a dick to her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, it was the Victorian era. Right. <laughs> like, everyone is, like, making like trying to make the moves on her and she like she doesn't feeling it and like well it was <laughs> like, made in hollywood <laughs> wackity smackity do sorry no and i mean with all the stuff that had been coming out i was like 
Apparently, men are like just horrible people. Oh, we're real shitbags. <laughs> oh yeah, we should be calling all our new history books for children. Men were assholes and still are. Like the and still are is in parentheses. Watch out for dudes in the Victorian world <laughs> where men are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> she gets her revenge. It's so true. There is no good guy in the whole course of the thing. Kill basically. dude, volume one through forever. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, um, I recommend it if you guys have any free time and you're interested in watching a sort of murder mystery kind of thing. Oh, cool. Down for those. Um, it is kind of dark, um, but I think they did a really, really good job. And How like, long is it? Like eight episodes, ten episodes? Six episodes, and each oh. one's about forty-five, fifty minutes. So, like I said, I watched it all in one evening. Cool. Because I have no life. I, I want to add because it's, you know. With regular television, you kind of always just assume there's going to be like, oh, well, if you make a show, it's going to run until you run it into the ground. But with Netflix, like, they kind of make these shows and then you don't know whether or not it's just a one season, like, here's it's a, a thing. It's a one season thing, I think. Okay. Because right. it's based on a book by okay. Margaret Atwood, I think. Okay. Um, I think it's also called Alias Grace. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's what I would, I mean, if they make a sequel, I don't know how they would do that. Because she's old at the very end, so. Cool. Oh, and so the guy who plays the doctor who comes to interview her was the guy who plays the asshole recruit in Kingsman. You know, the one with the mechanical arm? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't recognize him. I mean, I I saw his face and I was like, I know I know him from somewhere. He looks like uglier Neville Longbottom. (laughs) He kind of does, yeah. Or, like, skinnier Neville Longbottom. I don't know. It well, was he's just, pretty fit now, but... Yeah, yeah anyway, yeah, like, I get what you're like saying. He, and, you know, he's clean-shaven, yeah. short hair, and, you know, Victorian-era clothing. So I was like, I know I've seen him somewhere. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he was in Kingsman? <laughs> he looks completely different. Huh. Wouldn't have thought of it, but, yeah. Cool. So, Alias Grace on Netflix. Um, I have a bone to pick with you guys, I think. Whoa, whoa. Um, because <sighs> I am a huge fan of The Blacklist. And I heard you guys talking a few weeks ago, and I disagree with you on some I'm just points. Let you three handle this one. <laughs> well, so oh, I, well, I sort of stopped watching it, so I think it's all on Brett at this point. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, what's your point? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't give a shit what you think. I didn't care for the what third season, and I still stuck around and watched the fourth season. Okay. Well, I mean, they're airing the fifth season now, so I mean, I'm watching it as it airs. Mm. Well, you're still really enjoying it. I really like the. <laughs> I did not like season four at all. Oh, God. Okay. Mm. Oh, well, there were, it had its moments, but on the whole, I was really mad. Season five so far has been really good, I think. They've good. kind of started afresh. They've gotten back to that kind of that energy and that humor that I think that they had in season one. And they've started to do mm. a little bit more with like the side characters. And they're kind of getting their own side stories instead of just Red doing whatever Red does. Mm. Um, but you guys said how you think Red is her dad. <laughs> He's not her dad. <laughs> Spoiler, thanks. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, in the show, she's convinced right now, in season five, she's convinced that Red is her dad. She calls him dad. Like, it's super creepy, but he's not her dad. Well, yeah, because of the stuff that happened in season well, but, four. But, uh, so, okay, so I watched, like, a season and a half or something like that and then kind of fell off partially because of maybe Brad's coolness to the show, but also just my... I liked the show. I thought it was pretty cool. 
though I was the thing that frustrated me the most is that specific question because I was just like, this is this is stupid. Why can't she oh. not just just make her an interesting character and like leave Thank her you. Yeah, leave I her leave that. her leave her like weird back back and forth husband and like whether or not her dad is a dad whose dad is who like all of that shit to me is just the word it's like really bad trying to redo alias whereas i i I agree with that i would just rather she be cool and then have it be like i'm red and i'm a crazy man like have it just be house but with spies i don't need house to be everyone's dad like no they just make it a cool show um but (laughs) Yeah, that's actually know. fairly accurate. I think yeah. the I think the 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 conversation is actually the this conversation is the reason I stopped watching Blacklist. <laughs> and that's a fair point. As, I agree with you. As yeah. as Brad would talk about, like, oh yeah, that whole back and forth of like, is she, is it your dad? Isn't she your dad? Like, who's who is her dad? And is her husband her dad? All of that <laughs> stuff. Like he was like, yeah, that keeps going. And I was like, well, shit. Uh, yeah, well, I'm like, I'm good. fine with it as long as it amounts to something really worthwhile because it's not a five, six seasons like plot point that should be yeah. no, stretched out. No, it really out. shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, they awful. addressed it in the tenth episode because she asked him, "Are you my dad?" and he said, "No." Yeah. And then a lot of people didn't believe that for some reason, and so then they kept dragging out this plot point because they wanted to keep as many viewers as possible. Yeah, she, but, she, she no, should... they're gonna get together. What? <laughs> That's the end. Game. I love Corinne like, oh making gosh. a declarative statement oh. and then taking a bite out of the candy cigarette. Yeah, my it's pretty good thing right now. Everybody She's done it twice. Is... I, I, you know what, guys? I'm just gonna say this: James Spader is gonna fuck that girl. <laughs> Crunch. <laughs> yeah, it is way more impressive in person, unfortunately. Um, I, I only watched the first episode of The Blacklist and shut it off because it wasn't about a communist witch hunt. So. What? It wasn't. It wasn't That's about an old the Hollywood best joke. Yeah, it wasn't about the best script <laughs> of next life, year. Please. <laughs> um, yeah. No. I, I, loves I, it, I love No. Sure. I'm pretty sure. Like that's the end game. Is that they're gonna get together? And then you know what'll happen? She'll find out he's her dad. <laughs> no, she's she not her dad. She should just take him. How on. do you know? Like she, this. So the show's is like gone <laughs> so many different directions, and then yeah. like it's not Dude, her. Have you ever seen a father interact with his daughter the way he interacts with her? I don't want to answer that is, question. The guy is freaking in love with her. In um, season five? Because I haven't seen that in the other four no, seasons. No, in all of the seasons. He's no. like so besotted. Oh my, like when does your dad get down on his knee and hand you a gun? <laughs> what? <laughs> Clearly he wants to bang her. When does he sexually narrate a tango while you guys are talking about like... He's a worldly guy. No, no, he's not a. Well, okay, he is, but that doesn't make any difference. He, I mean, she, does he this, grab her ass? This, no, hey, no. that he, is not what it means. Her. Does he walk he into her, her room like? No. Okay. But just like Brad, no, Brad if we've yeah. learned anything, he may grabbing also be a woman's the ass grandfather is, of her child. No, he's not the grandfather <laughs> of her child. Brad, if we've learned anything, grabbing a woman's ass is not how you demonstrate that you're attracted to her. Just say I know that. I just know that the character Red knows that. Sure. Trying to figure out like what where are you she getting needs, this from? She needs to just I have take not him... seen any. He's always been like a fatherly figure throughout the whole show, as far as I can tell. She needs to yeah. just take him on Maury and find out. Nah, just get it. Just, just get you, it done. You guys, I don't know. As if, if you want to keep watching, keep yet. watching because I'll I'll come back and I'll fight you on well, this. But, but you're five enjoying on Netflix. You're enjoying the anticipation to their banging. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I mean, think of the kind of characters James Spader plays. Does he play the fatherly figure 
a lot of the times. No, he's like the romantic lead. It's like yeah, creepy. but he's like him and sixty now. So like his, his characters are always like you she's, know she's like half his age. How did like she's hated him for like three seasons now? Like how does that like? It gets turned on its head. I don't know. Uh, That's what we got to find out. Pride and Prejudice, Brad. You know what? I bet they're setting. I bet it's a covert operation. They're setting you up as the audience to like think that they are romantically involved, and you're gonna find out it was a sting operation, (gasps) and it was just for appearances. And they still hate each other. Mm. What's going with Tom? Because in the end of the uh, fourth season, he's like back to being a. Oh, he better be killed off this next episode. Good. Yeah. What's gonna happen? Him. Is they're 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 gonna sleep together, but then where they're gonna reveal that that Red only did it to prove to her that her husband is a spy. Again, you might want to catch up on the next couple of seasons. No, no, I might, I might, I might. I'm just saying, I got a lot of Star Trek Discovery to watch. Parallels. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) The first season's very short. Apparently, the season finale is this week. No, but it comes back in the spring now. Right, they, oh, it's just, this is the first half. Yes, yes. Okay. There's a hiatus. Yeah, so I'm just. So. Um, I, I write sometimes little blurbs about what's on a, each week's Real Nerds episode, and I now know I'm going to positively say we have one of the most uncomfortable conversations about daddy daughter relationships ever. Yeah, that was weird. It got weird. Yeah, it got weird. Y'all are guilty. I just sat here. I'm just going to throw my, my cigarette stick <laughs> and, and admit that that show is great. It's the best show on television. Thanks, Green. You're absolutely right. No, it's definitely not the best show on television. <laughs> and all the people who think that need to like not. Of course not. It's Young Sheldon. Anyway. Oh God. <laughs> um. Oh, what else? This fall on else. CBS All Access. Oh, watched. Went through a bunch of like dumb rom coms on my netflix queue but they're really stupid oh, so don't watch them like game. raising hell oh no L- gambit um with colin oh. firth and alan rickman of all people mm-hmm. and cameron diaz and it's not very good I, 10 of 10 would not recommend <laughs> it's really dumb um practical magic someone like you like i'm telling you they were like, yeah, really all stupid, over the place okay? uh, you uh, watching practical magic is your own decision man <laughs> <laughs> I also watched Disney's Hercules, which oh. is Hercules. Did he put the Glad in Gladiator? He did. Yes. Good. Hercules. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, because we had an Agatha Christie movie oh. this week, I watched, I think it's 2015 version of BBC's And Then There Were None. Yes. So good, you guys. You have to watch it. If okay. you haven't seen it, it's like a three-part miniseries, like three hours long. Mm-hmm. really really well done excellent cast excellent production it just i just got creepy vibes the whole time but like in a good way because you know that whole do you guys know the premise of and then there were none is yeah. that the one with the nuns it's 10 little indians well it no, no. <laughs> the, the, i've seen a lot of different agatha christie's so they all it's run got together several in my titles head. but the one that might be known as um 10 little indians um Oh, which is or not ten even little. Yeah, we, we don't need to say we don't need to say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You know, she was a xenophobic and a racist. <laughs> it was like in the 1930s, 40s. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I, I kind of grade old timey people on a curve. In that <laughs> yeah, <respect>. agreed. <laughs> she was doing her best. Uh, anyway. But, so, so yeah. So, so, so like 10 random people are all invited out to an island um, for like a dinner party. Like they're all there under different pretenses um, or different. Like, they all come out different ways. Like, some people think that they're going to get a job. Other people think they're going to be interviewed. Some people are there for, like, a house party. 
and then there's a recording that plays and it accuses each one of them of killing a person and for whatever reason like they got away with killing this person um, but they're now being held accountable and they're trapped on this island and one by one they get killed off in ways that are similar to how the little soldiers or Indians get killed off in the poem Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like really haunting um uh burn gorman's in it toby stevens is in it charles dance uh it's it's got a fan oh sam neal's in it like i kind of forgot Ooh. he was in it because he gets killed off kind of early spoilers Alan. <laughs> <laughs> um but i yeah i would absolutely recommend you guys watch it and everybody listening watch it because it's really really good where did you uh where did you see it on the internet is on netflix <laughs> nope. yeah oh. we're okay so it's the one dark that web. it'll take a little. Oh no! <laughs> I think it's available on Amazon for like two ninety nine or something. Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. Cool. I don't. I'm. <laughs> oh, there's that internet piracy. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, conspira- <laughs> the been warning me about. There's conspiracy <laughs> happening in Idaho Springs. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. Takes it no. Seriously though, she wears an actual pirate hat while she's watching it. <laughs> I uh, I always enjoy a new Agatha Christie, so that that's cool. I will check that out. Mm-hmm. It's a BBC production. It is. Sweet. Yeah, I think it's one of the best miniseries they've ever done. And I've watched a lot of BBC miniseries. Cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. That's great. Awesome. Sweet. Anything else? Nope, that that's it? it. Great. That was a good, that was that was really good. That was a, that was a good job. Mm-hmm. You did well. Zach, what have you been watching? Um, I watched a couple things. Um, like Corinne, I saw a movie about um, uh, a horrific party. Um, uh, it's House on Haunted Hill, guys. Um, I got a bit of a William Castle kick in me, so I watched the original House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. Uh, that movie is hella fun because it's just about watching Vincent Price be Vincent Price, and then um, guy who looks like the Lucky Charms leprechaun uh, has a floating head that introdu- introduces the movie. Um, basically, I mean, if you don't know House on Haunted Hill, um, it's nope. it's the story of. These strangers, five strangers, get invited to a, a party being held by an eccentric billionaire and his wife, um, and it's like sounds a, like the Great Gatsby. Can you continue. Right. <laughs> they're each offered. And he's desperately in love with the. In the in the in the original, they're offered ten thousand dollars um, if they survive the night in the haunted house, and then if they don't, then it'll be provided to their next of kin, um, and then it turns into a kind of a like, is is there really a ghost in the house, or is it just? The millionaire playing tricks on people and whatnot, and it's a fun movie. Um, so it's, I, it's basically the ghost in Mr. Chicken, but before, <laughs> okay, and also with Vincent Price. It's a great movie. I like oh, Ghost in Mr. Chicken too. I but, love Vincent Price. Uh, yeah, so it's like, it's it's tough. Like you know, we can just say that they're both equally awesome. <laughs> um, what is not equally awesome is I also watched the remake of House on Haunted Hill, um, and I hadn't seen it for a long time, and I don't remember liking it then, and I. I had a different appreciation for it this time around because Jeffrey Rush would make an amazing Vincent Price uh, for a biopic because he does a really good job. And like I, I his American accent weirded me out at first because he's definitely plan- he's trying to get Vincent Price's voice, which is not because br- he wasn't British. He was American. But like that sense of elegance and he does it really well. But uh, Famke Jamson's in the film um, Phoenix for all the comic book fans out there and She's just she's just a bitch like, the entire time. Um, like <coughs> the millionaire's wife in the original is somewhat like sympathetic, and she's just like flat out like I, I I did not care for her character at all. And then everybody other than Allie Larder and um, 
I can't remember. I think it's Ty Diggs um, are just disposable. And uh, Chris Kattan's in the movie. <laughs> Corky Romano himself is in the movie, and he plays oh, no. Pritchard, who Pritchard's the guy in the original that looks like the Lucky Charms leprechaun. And um, he like he does a weird version of Pritchard because Pritchard is just a supernatural, like he's like he's paranoid that the ghosts are real in the original. In this one, he's paranoid, but he's also very greedy. He wants his money and. At one point, he thinks he's going to die, so he thinks he deserves sex, which is really weird. Um, it's it's all over the place. What, you don't do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> Please blow me. <laughs> um, no, but um, what I liked, I liked, there are ideas on it that are really good, like the idea of the ghosts actually being real and like them trying to kind of like take a new twist on the concept is interesting but they don't execute it right um and uh, and part of the problem is that they bring this whole oh this was uh, a house that was built on an old mental ward and like and it's it's a concept that like has lost its horrificness over time <laughs> um so like it didn't really work out but like i don't know it's it's all over the place but like I liked Allie Larder in it a lot. Like, I thought she was really capable, like, in the film, like, in terms of just, like, being a badass. But, like, she's not, like, she's not, like, superb in it. It's just, like, she – I liked her more than others in the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jeffrey Rush, like I said, he's amazing in it. So, you know, it's it if you watch the film, watch it for him because, like, it's, it's, it's not worth the $3 I rented it for on Amazon. But <laughs> maybe if you find it in the car wash, it, it might be worth it. Um and um, I also watched the Rift Tracks version, and that one's funny because they fire one of the riffers in the middle of it and replace him with Paul F. Tompkins, and <laughs> it's funny. But he only gets out one line, and then they rehire Kevin Murphy back. Um, I saw Miami Connection. Have oh. you you've seen it before, Brad? In the theater, yeah. Okay, I so it was it was available for with a riff and without a riff. So I watched it without the riff first. <laughs> so Miami Connection is many many things. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a, uh, rock band movie. It's a martial arts movie and it's a drug Lord movie set in Orlando. He's set in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely enough. Um, like I, I can't really describe the plot cause I don't know if there is one. Well, the one, uh, the, guy's a... looking for his father. Yeah. One, well, oh, that, Wait, one, that <laughs> scene is so it's, weird. It's called Miami connection and it's set in Orlando. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's it's made by there. There's this famous martial arts uh, guy who had a string of dojos in Orlando, and he and he decided to finance his own movie to promote his dojos. I can't remember his, I can't remember his name, but he yeah. Um, like yeah. I mean, he didn't direct it. He like produced right. it and starred in it. Um, but like why kick him? But oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, actually, the, the the scene you're referring to where he's giving this heartfelt speech about not having a father around when he was younger and like everything he doubles down on every sad thing that can happen to an orphan child. <laughs> and then his dad shows up by the end of the movie and he's a young guy in old man makeup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's one of my favorite. How did this get made episodes ever? It's, uh, it's, it's what's the so band's good. name? Like dragon song. Uh, Dra- yeah. Oh God. Oh, oh dragon oh. sound. It's, I can't remember. It's Dragon something, but like the song that they do at the beginning, like it's like friendship. <laughs> it's, it's oh god, it was so like, it was it was like Samurai Cop when you and I saw it, where I was like, what the fuck am I watching? 
So much so that like when I watched the Rift version, like it was funny. Like they're they're making good jokes, but like without the soundtrack was even or without their riffing was even funnier because like you're you're putting your own like your mentality into it. Like the room sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting watch. Um, the band's name is just Dragon Sound. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about it. It's so bad. Uh, and um, oh, gosh. And then um, I saw Carnival of Souls also for the first time this week. What? Um, Carnival of Souls. Uh, it's a uh, 1966 horror film directed by a guy who never made another feature film after that. And uh, his primary job was that he made educational shorts. Um, that those like ones that the Rift Tracks crew does. The the way I saw it, the film was actually on uh, Filmstruck, that um, that new streaming site that does the Criterion releases. Yeah. Because I guess there's a Criterion for this movie. The best way I can describe this film is the way uh, they the Criterion um, uh, packaging describes it. It is uh, an attempt at American at an American version of an Ingmar Bergman film, but it's not that because it's pretty dumb. Um, that's, it's mainly about a creeped out woman who might or might not have died in a car crash, walking through life, um, trying to get a job as an organ player at a church and, uh, trying to avoid the sexual advances of this like horribly like sweaty palooka from freaking like 1930s, like lumber yard or whatever, you know, like it's, it's. It's all over the place. It there's a reason why there's riffs on it. There's a reason why it's on the list of like shitty films. But the way it's shot is actually really interesting. Like it's it it looks it looks pretty good for a film that was made on that low a budget. But um, I, I mean I don't know. Like if you're in the mood for like a a, a badish movie, I'd I'd watch it. It's like it's a good it's good for some laughs. Um, I I. I I'm tempted to get the Criterion Blu-ray of it to see what special features are on it because I'm more fascinated. Like in like Plan 9 from Outer Space, I'm more fascinated about the people behind the camera than I am about the movie in front of me. Um, on that note, I also rewatched Ed Wood because I'm kind of getting ready for Disaster Artist, and that movie's amazing. I mm-hmm. love Ed Wood a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also felt appropriate because Lando um, still that, – that death still hurts. <laughs> I liked Martin Lando a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the only thing I watched this week, other thing I watched this week was Mindhunter. Um, I finished it up. Oh, cool. Um, I like it. I, I think, like you were talking about last week, it's it it's a, it's a really interesting procedural show within the realm of like the history of the FBI and criminal profiling. Yeah. Um, I like that they, they more or less covered like a lot of Jack Douglas's material. Um, from that book that he wrote that the show's based on. Um, I don't know why some people are comparing it to Zodiac because I didn't feel that vibe. Because oh, they're directed by the same guy and that's Well, it. I know. Like, that's the only reason. Well, yeah, but, uh-huh. you know, like, that's like... And they're both about serious That's, why, that's like, like saying Kill Bill is just like Jackie Brown. Like, that, that makes no sense. Um, like, I think the... No, I, I mean... Think the, <laughs> the pace of Mindhunter is very different. Like, yeah. it's a very different pace. Oh, agreed. Yeah, one of them is a... Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, like... And also, it's a television show, so, yeah. like, that's... It's hard to make that. But I liked everybody in it. I liked the cast. I, I, I There were people I was not familiar with, so um, that was fun. And, uh... So, yeah, I, 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 I'd recommend it. It's fun. I want to see a second season out of this, and I'm sure we'll get one. Yeah. So... I'm um, sure it's doing just fine. But, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Cool. Brad? 
this week I watched um I'm trying to see which one I should start with. Um <laughs> Come on, phone. Just pick any one of them. Yeah. Okay, so it's a, it's unfortunate that Ryan's not here cuz I I saw The Lost Boys. Oh. Um That's a movie. That is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I've never really cared much for One of the most really... like packed midnights I've ever been to though. Oh, so, really? Wow, um, a lot of people do enjoy it. No, yeah. I, I don't understand. I, I, I guess How did I you like it. I guess I get the appeal, but it just isn't. It's not my thing. Yeah, I think maybe if you saw it like in the eighties as a kid, yeah, like much like the Goonies, where like I didn't see the Goonies till I was like sixteen or so, and so I watch it and I'm like, oh, that's a fun movie, but it's not, you know, it's battery's not, your, not included. It's, it's not your soul. Yeah, where I think I, I think some people probably saw that when they were. Just young enough that like these rowdy kids kind of swearing sometimes it was really fun, and then there's some gore and some vampires, so you kind of felt like you were seeing a horror movie. Like I don't know, but yeah. you said the Lost Boys, and in my head I pictured Stand by Me. So which which the Lost Boys? Oh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's a vampire, and then um, Jason Patrick. It, Jason Patrick and Corey Haim moved to this town, Santa Clara. It's like a giant carnival town. <laughs> Everyone just hangs out you on know, the boardwalk. Carnival towns. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 packed with weirdos. I'm not kidding. This is how Joe Schumacher sets up. Like it takes forever oh, it's for this a Joel movie. Schumacher Ladies and okay, gentlemen, Joel that makes sense. It takes forever to get started. Like oh. uh, the first ten fifteen minutes are a lot of like aerial shots and like zoom ins to the carnival, like the amusement park part of the town. And uh, then finally, yeah, we get to know Jason Patrick and Corey Hamer. Uh, their mom is recently divorced, so they move in with their grandfather. And th- their grandfather is super eccentric. Um, he's this like weird hippie guy who does a ton of taxidermy. And then, uh, <laughs> like, there's this like dopey jokes about Corey Haim wakes up and there's like a stuffed owl next to his bed, you know. And then the next day it's a raccoon. Um, anyway, so they move this town. Jason Patrick goes to uh, they go to the carnival and there's like a night concert with like sweaty, uh, muscular saxophone guy. <laughs> the crowd just had tons of fun with that one. Uh, but anyway, he sees Jamie Gertz in the crowd, and he's like immediately attracted to her and starts following her. Because, um, you know, that goes well. Yeah. And then, you know, she's dating Kiefer Sutherland, who's the lead vampire, but they don't, he doesn't know that yet. And then Corey Haim goes to a comic book store and meets Corey Feldman and his buddy, and they're, you know, amateur vampire hunters. Um, and by the end of the movie, you, f- you figure out that this, this town, like... People know that it's overrun by vampires, but they still feel free to just hang out and get abducted by vampires. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, then it's just Jason Patrick versus Kiefer Sutherland, you know, and uh, Jason Patrick drinks Kiefer Sutherland's blood before he knows he's a vampire, becomes a vampire himself, and then, you know, doesn't want to kill people like they do. So he tries to get Jamie Gertz away with that random kid. I think, is it his, is it her uh, little brother or... I, don't I couldn't figure that out. Or is just some I, random? Kid. I haven't seen it in about twelve or fifteen years. Yeah, like he's, he's a vampire who doesn't want to kill and falls in love with a girl. Does he sparkle? I saw where you were going. Yeah, and then all the the all the vampire flying is really just the camera moving around because they can't they have a budget to show like yeah Kiefer Sutherland actually lifting off the ground. Yeah, and then uh, Alex Winter from <laughs> Bill and Ted. I didn't know he yeah. was in there. So yeah. It's all right. Oh, sorry. It's he, fine. He gets staked, which <laughs> I guess. Spoilers. I guess when you're killing uh, vampires, like they're really, uh, you know, when you're using wood, 
they're like it just takes a ten year old kid's strength to <laughs> stab him through the they're, chest. They're very fragile. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Yeah. They're super strong unless you use a piece of wood against them. Yeah. Because they're made of glitter. There's a <laughs> there's a second one. You could watch you could watch the tribe next. Uh, now I don't you're think a, so. Now that you're a big Lost Boys fan. Yeah. I hear people love it. Probably the funniest part is when at, at the at the finale when you find out that the uh, there's that uh, the Kiefer Sutherland's not actually the head vampire and then Grandpa shows up to save the day and uh, oh shit what does he what does he say oh yeah like the one thing I hate about I do hate about this town is it's overrun by vampires <laughs> and then it just cuts to their face That's right. the family's faces yeah like dun, dun, dun. sad uh... trombone that, that's kind of like the sound of. Joel Schumacher's entire career is dead. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also got to see the Tragedy Girls. Oh, cool! How is it? Meh. <laughs> okay. It's was like, it a tra- tell, tragedy? Tell not, people about the Tragedy Girls. Not a, like a complete tragedy, but um, like I get what what it's trying to do is, uh, it centers around these two girls who are like s- really into social media, <laughs> and they're also trying to be serial killers. So. Like those two things together make your leads very unlikable. So they're very vapid mm-hmm. and selfish and murderers. Um, so they they set up a, uh, a lot of their friends at school into you know into traps that get them killed so they can Instagram it and pretend that they are like like first at the scene and they like they know where the killer is going to strike next um, and. They're, they're they're trying to like build a social media presence around like predicting the next death in the town and stuff. Um, and so uh, they start off by capturing the real like Jason style killer in the town and holding him hostage because um, they want him to teach them stuff, but he's a psychopath and just uh-huh. wants to kill them still. Um, so, and then for the rest of the movie, it's, uh, the girls interacting with people and like one um, gets really like more into learning how to serial kill. And the other one starts becoming popular with the school. And so she stops being this hard edge killer person. And eventually that fractures their relationship. And then um, they have to resolve things. And Craig Robinson shows up at one point and I'm like, sweet, this movie's going to get really funny. <laughs> and then, uh, and no, then it's does. almost like a cameo. Like he's just Aww. in there to get murdered. Um, I think so, he's a producer on it. So. Yeah. And that it is pretty bold at the end that it's not like a happy happy ending, which is nice, but still I like I just didn't care about anyone in the movie that as yeah. And then because it, it was like right before I just see Murder on the Orient Express Orient Express, I didn't even watch all the credits to it. I just rushed out <laughs> to the next theater. So and then the last thing I saw, which was really good, was I Tanya. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Tanya Harding so you biopic. Re- you recommend you recommend it? Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's really cool how they play with like they break the fourth wall so much, and it's mm. to great comedic effect. Um, and you know, it's not. You'd think it would be mostly about the the incident, as they call it in the movie, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of the movie is really just about the di- the domestic abuse she endured, and it's pretty brutal. Um but also played to comedic effect in some ways. Um, because it's Alice and Janie, isn't it? Well, she, I get, yeah, she plays beats like her, her a few mom? times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and Alice and Janie's hilarious. Um, she's just filthy as hell, uh, and super mean. And he, like, there's this one point where you think she's re- like redeeming herself and it's, 
<laughs> she's still a piece of shit bag. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, a lot of the second half revolves around Sebastian Stan and, uh, the bodyguard. Uh, so at one point you're, I'm kind of going, wow, this isn't really Tanya's story as much as it. They're focusing on these two guys, which is unfortunate. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and Margot Robbie's, you know, really good. If the Oscars mattered, <laughs> she should be at the top of the list because she does. Wow. And then the uh, the skating um, towards the end, the the f- early on, I was trying to figure out: is this really Margot Robbie's doing these yeah. moves, or it's got to be a face transplant, right? And there's like there's one shot that breaks at the end that kind of s- reveals that that's how they did it. But early on, I was like, I could see it. Maybe she really did this stuff. Or wow. Um, yeah. But there's like there's like one moment where the CG sort of drops and yeah towards the end there's a lot of like slow-mo stuff and so Mm. which you'd think it would be less obvious because they have more time to map the rather than like a blurry motion shot but uh like early on i was convinced that was really her skating so cool very cool because that's at the denver film festival right now yeah it was was. yeah that's the part i don't recommend about it (laughs) really yeah it was was 30 bucks to see for one and then just the, the audience is not they're not the Alamo crowd. <sighs> that that is such a shame. I would expect that to be a good right? a good crowd. Did but... you did you see it at the Ellie Hawkins Opera House? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, which I, is oh really? I I, I I I saw when Twombly was in um uh, DFF. Here um, we go. Uh, we had tickets to the closing night for Silver Linings Playbook, and we went there, and uh, the crowd was terrible. Like they yeah. were they were noisy, they were loud. I could barely hear the fucking movie. I can just imagine, that. like, a, like hundreds of the most pretentious artist-looking people you can imagine. Um, and then you pay $30, and they tell you, general mission is all the stuff at an angle on the sides. Yep. Oh, bullshit. Because I was literally just going to say, like, I can't imagine the Ellen Cockins Opera House being a very good place to see a movie. It's because all the good seats are reserved for, uh, like... The 200-plus. Uh, the 200-plusers, the, the high-end donors, and the filmmakers who are invited to the festival. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the audio is kind of muddy. Yeah, I don't want to see a movie because they don't. I'll yeah. see a concert. Don't, I don't know if don't... it's because I'm on the side, like it's more directed toward the people in the middle. Because they had, even though there was like premium VIP in the center, there was still only some of the seats marked as like here's the pink, two pink rows and two blue rows. And so I don't know if those like specifically are like where the speakers are pointed. So you know the top donors should be in that row because they'll get the best sound. Yeah, but uh, might be pressed. Too. Yeah. But yeah, people are just chatty as hell and kicking my seat, and that is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. man, don't go to movies. If you're <laughs> if you're like a complete shit heel, like just stay home. You no longer have the right to just like go to movies. Yeah, if you have thoughts about something that you just can't wait two hours to express, keep them to yourself. Yeah, stay at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you well, aside hopefully from... shit heels aren't listening to this podcast, James. Oh, oh, many shit heels are listening to this podcast. If, if you're shit heel, like, like Zach over here, it's Arcadia demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. That was on my birth certificate. Zach Shitheel Lloyd Eastman. <laughs> you, you are really making Ryan proud this week. It's it's great. You're loving it. Um, no, he charged me with making fun of Zach for him. So <laughs> I have, and I messaged I have back, a job to do. And I messaged back like, yeah, I make fun of that Zach. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> um, actually, well, I saw Middleman at the festival last year, mm-hmm. and uh, they played it at a Regal in a Regal uh, auditorium because they partner with the pavilions. Yeah. That's in a more ideal uh, setting because the Hawkins Opera House. Well, the Hawkins Opera House, they don't show movies regularly, so no. they're not wired for it. Yeah, so yeah. it's not. I don't know. And then there was like half an hour of just uh, presentations leading up to it. Like 
thanks for attending the festival and here's a video of all of our donors and Look uh, cool here's my immigrant are. story and uh let's talk about immigrants uh in hollywood and i was just like just get to the fucking movie <laughs> I, wanna... I don't want to be here with these people let's get the fucking movies on get out i just want to watch margot robbie bash a woman's leg <laughs> she um, doesn't do that i know yeah yep Cool. Great. What did you watch, James? Uh, just a couple of things. Um, I rewatched Prisoners this week, which is a great film. Um, but uh, not Denny Vanilla Ice. Not yeah. It's uh the first Denny Vanilla Ice okay, movie that I saw. Can I just clear it up? It's Denis Villeneuve. But see, here's so here's I'm where confused. I'm gonna fight you because if you go watch any of the featurettes like on Arrival, people will say Villeneuve on the fe- on like people who and worked the, with him. When the Arrival writer was at the top brass party he said Villanueva which is why I'm so confused because I'm hearing just Villanueva now yeah I want to meet him and just shake his hand and tell him he does a good job I'm just gonna go up to him shake his hand and go Dennis Vanilla Ice Ice baby he's yeah anyway it's the very first Dennis Vanilla Ice movie that I saw um, and it is still don't watch that movie before bed Um, (laughs) which one is this again Sicario no Prisoners um which is like 2013. Do they all blur like together for you? <laughs> um, I, the only one I've actually bit. seen is Arrival. Uh, and then uh, what's the Blade Runner or whatever it just came out. <laughs> do, do Android yeah. stream of Electric Sheep Volume so, 2. Oh, yeah, well, okay. So for anybody who doesn't know, Corinne, uh, Prisoners is a movie starring Hugh Jackman and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, where uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Terrence Howard in like the first five minutes, their daughters go missing. Um, and... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays Detective Loki, who is trying to figure out what has happened to their daughters. Um, he's Loki. Yeah, his name is Detective Loki. Uh, he's covered in a lot of symbols. It doesn't matter. It's totally a red herring. Uh, there is actually no meaning to be derived, as far as I can tell, from all of the weird symbolism, or his Freemason ring, or the cross on his hand, or like the weird symbols on his knuckles. Anyway, it's all weird. But that's not the part that matters. Um, Basically, he's trying to, like, you know, figure out what has happened to these little girls, and he's maybe uncovering sort of a string of missing children's problem. Um, And while he's doing that, uh, the real point of the film is sort of the emotional story with with Hugh Jackman asking a question of, like, you know, if you were in this situation and you had some of this information, what would you do and how far would you be willing to go – in order to try and find and save your daughter. Um, I remember seeing it and feeling like it was it was like a much better version of Heavy Rain, the video game. Uh, so if you've ever played Heavy Rain, it's kind of like that, only way, way better. Um, so it's great. An amazing film that will beat the ever-loving shit out of you. Um, but don't watch it before you go to bed. It was just a it was a poor decision. Like I watched it, and by the time it was done, it was like midnight. And I was like, well, okay, I, I'm going to fall asleep and just kind of be sad and melancholy for the next few days. Um, anyway, it's still great though. So definitely check it out. Uh, but in new things, uh, I watched 47 meters down. <laughs> I pronounced that poorly. Uh, the movie Mandy where more V shark. Yeah. Where of the, the ocean. Yeah. The movie where, uh, Manny Moore falls into the water and then has to fight a shark. Um, it's not great. Uh, it, it makes shallows look like jaws. Um, uh, so, so, uh, okay. So that was a strange noise. Manny, Manny Moore and her sister 
uh, are on vacation and you find out that like her, her boyfriend has, has dumped her. And so you're supposed to like feel bad for her. So they decide to go for anyone who is an avid, it's always sunny in Philadelphia watcher. Uh, and you know, the episode about the boat where they're like, Oh, well, you know, you get a woman on the boat because of the implication um, that you might hurt them. Like basically they, they go with some creepy dudes on a creepy boat, uh, captained by Matthew Modine. Um, and <laughs> right. Which just seems like a bad idea. And Wait, but they're like, never oh. go on a boat with Matthew Modine. <laughs> so these guys are like, Oh, we're, going a boat. we're, we're <laughs> big fans of going and like swimming with great white sharks, like 25 foot long, great white sharks. You want to come? We got a cage. You'll go swimming with these great white sharks. And you're like, Okay, and obviously you know going in like, okay, this isn't going to go well. But if I were them, I would look at the boat, which makes the orca look like the Titanic. <laughs> Bad analogy. Uh, it makes the orca look like the Starship Enterprise. Um, <laughs> it, like, I would have also turned around and been like, I don't want to get in the creepy metal cage with like a very fragile rope. So anyway, they get in the creepy metal cage and uh, Matthew Modine lowers them into the water and they go down and they're like, this is so great. How Ooh, far down? A big shark. Oh, only like, only like about three meters. Uh, oh, and then the guys are like chumming the water, even though that's illegal. And, um, and then of course, like the whole crane breaks off of the boat and drops them to the bottom of the ocean. 47 meters down and they can't just swim up because you'll get the bends if they swim immediately up and then there's also like giant sharks everywhere um who apparently only want to eat humans as as is usually true in a shark movie you know when it comes to being eaten by a shark or getting the bends i'd rather be eaten by a shark. well the bends could actually kill you what's Um, the bends uh the bends is basically when when, nitrogen bubbles like seep into your bloodstream yeah it can kill you Oh. Um, oh, so, so when they're com- no, <laughs> no when they're forty seven meters down, how are they communicating like dialogue wise? Oh, Is it they, just subtitles? They no, they have a walk. They have like a they have a really nice looking uh, scuba suit where you can see the, the whole actress's face because you paid for it. It's like um, an Iron Man and there's suit a there's a walkie talkie in it, so they're like talking to each other through it. So they're saying like, "Hey, stop! You got to stop freaking out!" Oh, because Manny Moore doesn't actually know how to scuba dive, but her sister does. Like that's part of it. Is like she didn't really want to go because she wasn't supposed to or whatever. Um. Anyway, the whole movie's ADR, doesn't it? So they get. To, oh yeah. Okay. Uh. Oh yeah. It's basically a movie narrated by Mandy Moore. Um. <laughs> and who, by the way, I like. I like. I think Mandy Moore can be really good. And it's not her fault that this movie is ridiculous. Hey man, she's one of us. I and this uh, is us. Uh, I'm gonna punch you so hard. <laughs> um. So I don't want to necessarily spoil it, but I will say that I think the ending of this movie is insulting to the audience let me guess it leads into a sequel where they go one meter down extra no 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 no. i mean like actually what's happening in the film Mm -hmm. is insulting to the audience um so anyway do they break the fourth wall and say fuck you bitches no (laughs) (laughs) sorry i i just that was a shark saying that yeah (laughs) oh yeah That would be great. CGI shark. <laughs> no, basically, like shark out of the dark. Like, Fuck you, yeah, no, yeah, Bruce, Bruce from, Finding, from Nemo. Finding Nemo shows yep. up. He's like, oh, "Hey guys, <laughs> can I help you get to the surface?" Um. Anyway, Actually, yeah, that'd be awesome. Don't watch forty-seven meters down, and if you want to know why it's insulting, I'll tell you later. 
not when I'm going to spoil it for everybody on the internet. Don't tell me because I might watch it this week now just to see how bad it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not like it's a I tragedy. Want it to be yeah, mm. it's not like I'll tell you later. It's um, not life. No, this is way better than life. It's not the, the Dark film Tower. life. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a watchable film. It's just like again where I thought the sh- I thought the Shallows was pretty good, but there were a couple things I was disappointed in. This is like the worst case scenario of what the shallows could be um where it's just it seems sort of pointless where the shallows actually had like a a pretty good story and you wanted this person to survive and they had like an emotional arc to them um i guess the point of this is that if manny moore survives then she proves to her boyfriend who left her that she's not boring um like like she actually says early on which again is actually pretty offensive that that she takes, she basically takes ownership for the breakup and says, "Like, it's it's my fault." And her sister's like, "Why?" And she's like, "Cause I I it, I he got bored, and that's my fault." And I'm like, "No, your motivation, Mandy. Your motivation is I am not bland." <laughs> yeah, like her motivation for going out to swim in the sharks is to prove to her boyfriend she's her ex boyfriend she's not boring. I'm like, no, him leaving you because he got bored is not your fault. Like. That, anyway, it doesn't matter. She's a strong, independent woman who don't need no, no man. Yeah, but she does need some oxygen. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then uh, finally, I got a chance to see Ingrid Goes West, uh, which came out like last week or the week before. I think it was last week. How'd you um, like it? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was pretty interesting. It's you know, it for for only being an hour and a half long, it doesn't outstay its welcome with its funny little premise. Because um, it's basically a movie about a stalker. Uh, who you're so, I mean, you're kind of relating to, like you, it's like the, the tragedy girls, like they're not, yeah, like quality characters that you're invested in. They're just interesting caricatures, yeah. I guess. If it weren't for the beginning sequence, which is funny, uh, but if it weren't for the beginning sequence, you would really be free to sort of relate to this young woman and feel like, oh, like she moves to California cause she, you know, thinks it'll be a good fresh start for her. And because she keeps seeing these Instagram follow people who are like, oh, my life is so great. And then like feels like the way for her to really get that life is to actually just like, hey, what if I try to be friends with this person very, very directly? And then through a series of unfortunate events, A, destroys that friendship and then also B, kind of realizes that the Instagram people, their lives aren't necessarily that great and their lives are kind of bullshit. And um, yeah. Uh, but because in this case, no, she's actually a serial stalker and totally fucked up. Um, and some of the things that she does are real bad. Um, yeah, it, you've got that sort of anti-hero thing going on where you you like Audrey Plaza a lot and you think she's really fun. And man, even in some of the moments, scenes where she's being super creepy and terrible like if you've seen the trailer you've seen this moment but when they're when they're singing whatever i think it's a boys to men song or something uh in the car and like she's like looking at elizabeth olsen like really like no i've waited my whole life for you like she's really into like i really love you uh and it's creepy and awesome and the performance is great uh and really funny um no, I think it's totally worth uh, worth checking out. And uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, Ice think, Cube the second. Yeah, Ice Cube son. Uh, I think does a really good job. Like he's super charismatic. Uh, I can see him being in movies for a while. 
Um, I, I thought that when I saw him in Straight Outta Compton. I'm yeah, like, I didn't, dude, he can, he can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's straight good in this movie. Like, just solid. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's worth checking out, you know. Um, it's not a huge ask because it's, you know, short enough that uh, if it had been another 20 minutes long, I'd have been like, oh, this doesn't. But it ends right when it should. Um, and again, I don't want to necessarily say how it ends, but I think the ending is maybe part of why I like it so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's good. Elizabeth Olsen is, is pretty good. And yeah, definitely worth checking out. So mm-hmm. I, I rented it on uh, on Amazon so you can get it there. Anyway, that's everything for me. Uh, Corinne, what should we do next? One thing we have to do real news, don't we? Yeah. See, there was a thing earlier where you said, like, I would have said real news. <laughs> and I've been saving this joke for 35 minutes. And it. Or longer. <laughs> it's real news. Uh, Gal Gadot doesn't want to sign up for Wonder Woman 2 unless... Uh, Good old Brett Ratner is not on those Batman Superman movies anymore. It's a good um, stand. Bye, yeah. yeah, I'm. Uh, w- wow. <laughs> Wait, to Brett Ratner or yes. to her? No, okay, I wasn't sure who you were calling <laughs> a bitch. Um, no, the shark. The shark. She's came, not the, a bitch. The, the shark came He's back to talk to Brett Ratner. Yeah, Fuck I will just. <laughs> I will just say, like again, like we said last week, innocent until proven guilty. But it is totally her prerogative to take a stance wherever she wants to and i think she is more than empowered to do so mm-hmm. um and i think has a lot of the leverage he has all of the money but she has a lot of the leverage I, we were talking before the show i was like if you recast wonder woman people are going to ask the question when you have to explain well sh- the last one left because we continue to employ a guy who's been accused of sexual misconduct suddenly wonder woman not as shiny and clean as you would like her to be so um yeah Anyway, um, well, we'll just keep on the sad news for a while. Uh, Louis C.K.'s name was added to the list this week, uh, which is a rough one. We almost need a whole new segment of the show. Of just yeah. like, who's shitty? Who's the latest predator? Yeah, but he's the one that makes my soul sad. This has been, Wasn't um, George Takei accused too? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer. Yeah. It, he, uh, Louis was like this. Th- there was an article about this two years ago. They were like, they were hinting at it, but like the, the the story is that the women went on record, which is yeah. Mm. I mean that's what's happening right now, and for good and and good. Yeah. Um, uh, every time you see interviews with anybody, especially like like one of the ones I I noticed I or that I saw this week online was a uh, an interview with George Clooney and Matt Damon, um, because of the release of Suburbicon. Suburbicon. Um, where they were asked about uh, Harvey Weinstein, um, and they were sort of saying they were like, "Hey, like we worked with the guy, but you didn't see this, and like everybody knew he was an asshole, but like, and he was proud of that, but so you certainly never thought this, and like there were always rumors, but there was never. What's happening now is like everybody's coming out of the woodwork and and hopefully feeling emboldened to tell the truth of the experiences that they've had Mm -hmm. in order to hopefully weed some of these people out, which is amazing and fantastic. Again, like I said last week, like we don't have any proof and I don't want to just end up with like a long list of people that we blacklist and treat them like they're all the same. Like we don't know that a Louis CK situation is as bad as a Harvey Weinstein situation. In fact, I would bet that it's not just because of the difference in power, but, um, but at the same time, like, you know, it, 
every one of them needs to sort of be handled on an individual basis. I don't want to just write them all off at once just because, like, your name got thrown out, you know. Well, Louis um, C.K. did make a statement that admitted to it, so he yeah. was on the list. <laughs> no, I, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just, I was using them as examples of what I don't want to happen is have, you know, people who are either innocent or, you know, whatever. Um, it's not our place but, to make our own list. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's my point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I only mentioned Louis C.K. because I'm like, okay, that one is confirmed and really pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're all sad, but that one makes me sadder. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. sorry. Let's move on. Um, but uh, <laughs> speaking of news, the Kevin Spacey one has gone so far as he's going to be replaced. Yeah, so digitally. Christopher Plummer is going to replace him in All the Money in the World. Uh, the Ridley Scott film about J. So, Paul Getty. Yeah, yeah. There's a funny meme on the internet where Christopher Plummer got replaced in every Kevin Spacey movie. <laughs> so like they put his face on the Untouchables poster, <laughs> and on uh, I think it was um, freaking um, uh, some other Kevin Spacey. But you know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty good. I um, do like Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He better not have done anything. <laughs> oh, God. Monday, that movie just doesn't breaks. get really... Ridley Scott will just phone in and be like, hey, guys, we got to just cancel this. Warner Brothers spends I'm another done. $20 million to replace Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Well, or you just like... You just... You call in and be like, hey, guys, whose face do we just already have? Like, go get... We already have Robert Downey Jr. Just have him do it. The Use arc. young Robert Downey Jr. from from uh, Civil War or whatever it was, and Peter Cushing. Just move on. <laughs> yeah, use Peter Cushing's face, because <laughs> at least no one will accuse him because he's dead. Yeah. The the irony of a movie called All the Money in the World requiring all the money in the world so <laughs> <laughs> yes. to be released. It's true. They were talking about like the finances of it, like and the way it's supposed to work because they're still trying to hit their December release. Oh my and, like, goodness! That's I'm looking a at like, the whole idea. situation. I'm like, well, try. Sony's already having problems with its film division. Like, I don't. How much money are they going to shell out for this? Because this movie is not like. Hey, let's. You all want to go see all the money in the world? You want to know about the J. Paul Getty kidnapping man? Right. Like, you know that's your chance. It's yeah. not Thor Ragnarok, guys. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a Bond film where you're like, you know, it's worth a million dollars to take those black gloves out of that scene. Like that's totally worth. No, this is. Yeah, it's gonna cost a lot of money to make this biopic less offensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's insane. not really Scott's year. <laughs> No, no. Hey, he's, he's still got six alien films in him. He did have a good year, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ten years ago. Well, we'll find out, because he did produce our movie tonight. Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, yeah Scott, that's... Scott Free produced Murder oh. on the Orient Express. Didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his, his flying bird man was at the beginning of your movie. Uh, anyway, that's all the sad news for this week, except for any other sad news that we get to. But that's all the like truly sad news. I thought someone died, but um... uh, maybe. But you know, who cares? Uh, Ryan Johnson's making all the Star Wars from now on. <sighs> so I was so you ho- keep your size to yourself, motherfucker. I was hoping for Michael Bay, man. Just... No, oh, <laughs> shut up. Um, this makes me so happy about the fact that J.J. Abrams is directing nine. Because uh, as we talked about at the time, I was like, "Oh, well, just just keep Ryan Johnson." And now we know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, he was playing coy with us the entire time. <laughs> right? He's like, "Guys, I got shit I'm working on." He likes to tease you a lot, doesn't he? He does. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna make a a whole trilogy of films that have nothing to do with Skywalker's, which is exactly what I've been asking for for years. Um, which sounds great. Uh, it's all gonna be about be Cal- the old Republic. 
That'd be cool. Uh, the I think the quote from I think it was Kathleen Kennedy. It's all about the Calrissians. Was was something about um, the, the like you know hey we're gonna go to a corner of the galaxy and and deal with characters that we've never dealt with before. So like eh, when it's set in time, who knows? But it would be great if maybe there weren't a lot of Jedi's in it, or if there were Jedi's, they were totally new or different, or you know a Kyle Katarn esque like I'm kind of a rebel. Like I don't know, uh, just give me something totally different. I don't want to have to talk about the balance. I don't want to, you know, like, give me a, that universe is so cool. Just give me a really fun adventure. Um, so I'm excited. I want there to be some role for the character Harvey Corman played in the Star Wars Holiday Special. The I, guy who has a hole in his head. He just pours a drink in there. <laughs> like, uh, give him his own solo spinoff story. I just want uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt to show up in everything. All the roles. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all Joseph Gordon-Levitt for everything. He even so puts on a wig and plays I the female roles. I'm <laughs> the only one who doesn't really care. Well, I mean, no, I love you're not Star alone. Wars. You're not alone. I, I love Star Wars, but I'm getting really tired of all these new movies. M- my only interest in this There's is There's only been Brian. one. <laughs> Two. I, I didn't really like Rogue One. I mean, I liked Rogue One, well, yeah. but I did not oh, think no. it was necessary. I'm with you. I don't care to see the new Han Solo movie. I don't either. I, don't. I, I actually care the most about this because this is them getting away from what I think is sort of the, the you know... Uh, what do you call the thing where you kill it and then it, it curses you forever. Um, anyway, you know, the animal thing, whatever. Monkey's paw. <laughs> I'll think of it. <laughs> yeah, it's the monkey's paw. Skywalker is the monkey's paw of of Star Wars. You're like, kissing on Rod Serling's more... grave right now. <laughs> no. um, I have no idea what you're talking about. The uh, Albatross. Oh, Albatross. Right Thank the you. Mariner. Okay. On, Come on. I, you know where I was going. I mean, clearly no. you didn't, but yeah, like I don't, I'm tired of going back to the story we already know. Like, I don't want to just revisit Boba Fett or, you know, Boba Fett could be cool if it's Boba Fett chasing down a bunch of people who have nothing to do with anything else in Star Wars. Like, I don't want to see a Boba Fett movie. Yeah. That's why, to, to me, this sounds interesting because basically it's a Star Wars, it's a space adventure movie. Like, it's just another cool space movie. Maybe once I see a trailer, but right now yeah. I'm just, I don't care. I'm just interested because it's Ryan Johnson's next thing. I am less interested in the TV show that they also announced, mm. um, which is really a this live action one. Yeah. I don't know how well that's going to go over. They'd have uh, to have some pretty nice production value. About as well as Star Trek Discovery, probably. <laughs> uh, it's only going to be on their uh, their their Disney yeah. streaming service thing, but I'm sure they'll put a bunch of money into it. Um, and they've got plenty. Yeah, um, billion so much that they might try to buy Fox Studios. Yeah. Was that last week or this week? That was, that was last, last week. week oh. but we about it. I, I think the it deal seems fell to through. have died. Yeah. yeah, I mean nobody's talking about it anymore, and because yeah. someone had to talk about it in the press. And now we, <laughs> uh, that's want, probably how Fox killed it because they were I like, want, mm. "I want them to to bring back Roddy McDowell and have him meet Chewbacca." <laughs> A- Chewbacca lands on the planet of the apes, guys. It's not going to happen. Gold. Yeah. It's gold. It's um, gold. Oscars all around. But along the same news, uh, there will be no more new Marvel Netflix shows. Uh, as Disney is basically saying they're going to make all of them and keep them on their own streaming uh, channel. So are they taking away Daredevil? I don't think so. I think it's really just like, hey, we're not going to make any more of those. But honestly, I don't think anyone really cares because there hasn't been a good one since season two of Daredevil. So... Not even that. Season two of Daredevil was was no. good. Not great. Not as good as not as not as great as season one. It was okay. It showed promise of future goodness. No. And then... Everything that came after it was pretty disappointing, if not fucking terrible. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I thought you guys praised Jessica Jones on the show. Jessica Jones was between season one and season two of Daredevil. Oh, Correct. so so that's why I said it. Yeah, no, Jessica, season one of Jessica Jones and season one of Daredevil, great television and and beautiful hope for Marvel on Netflix. Hell's yeah, totally stricken and dead now. Um. Mm. Anyway, uh, Amazon's Punisher might be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be. I hope it is. Amazon's going to make a eight episode series out of the boys, uh, which um, Cora, our correspondent in in Seattle, will probably enjoy. Uh, as many years ago, she had us read that book. Um, it's basically like Eminem and some of his uh, some friends, well, a guy who looks exactly like Eminem and some of his friends are tasked to go beat up on supervillains who are like raping people and doing bad things and shit. And it's, that's awful. It's a very over the top and graphic and violent, uh, comic book that only Amazon could throw money at. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, that's pretty much news. That's pretty much news. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call that news. Anybody got anything oh, else? Oh no. Someone did die. Um, the guy who played Higgins on, uh, Magnum PI and, um, was in Blazing Saddles, John John Hilner. Oh, okay, Hilner. Yeah, it, he, true. He's funny. He was a funny guy. Like yeah. he saw. The, I I still love the line in Blazing Saddles. Um, it's uh, as chairman of the welcoming committee, I present to you a laurel and hearty handshake. And he hands to him a laurel, and he reaches his hand out for a hearty handshake. Old movie jokes, guys. You're great. Yeah, you just you you're doing really well, Zach. I don't, know. I don't get it. Hey, Moving guys. on. <laughs> Uh yeah. Uh so this week we went and saw Murder on the Orient Express. Corinne, should people go see Murder on the Orient Express? Twenty seventeen? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brad like, should okay, okay, so just to clarify, I think if you watch the trailer and you were interested, you'll like it. Okay. If you weren't interested, if you go see it, I think you will be entertained. Okay. I, I mean, I just whatever. Do what you want, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, great if Brad Hague. Uh, if you I don't that, see I, it, I, I you're not that, missing out. But I, if you do see it, you'll be entertained. I want that pull quote on it for the uh, Oscar yeah. campaign. <laughs> do what you want, people. <laughs> do what you want, people. <laughs> Corinne. Also, uh, make yourself. Brad, Brad, how do you feel about people's right to do what they want? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, how do, how do you feel about people seeing Murder on the Orient Express? Um, yeah, I it's okay. I wasn't uh, really engaged in the mystery itself. Um, really, the only thing that stood out is Kenneth Branagh's portrayal of Poirot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's entertaining. Um, I don't know. I don't Sorry. know. I don't, I don't know if uh, she's just mumbling things over there. Yeah, we just, we every, everybody just wants to keep going. Hercule Poirot. Hercule I thought Poirot. I thought we said Hercules Poirot. It was like a joke, but that's really his name. No, other people. No, his name is Hercule. Hercule Poirot. Yeah. Oh, so the but, Hercules thing was. Yeah, it's like spelled Herc- yeah. It's spelled Hercules, okay. but everybody. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's, he's fun and like it's a. He's Belgian. I don't know if that's how he's supposed to be portrayed in the book. Is is it? Mm. It's pretty know. good. We'll get into it. Okay. Um. Otherwise, if he took liberty with that character, I think it's it's an, an, an like it's the only energy in the movie really for me. So he took some liberties, but we'll get into it. Yeah, but yeah, the, especially, especially the finale, I was like so just put off towards, um, especially like the Last Supper framing. <laughs> um, I was like, is this just a uh, like a, a dream he's having? And because I don't know if like these people are cooperating a lot for a bunch of people who just tried to kill him. 
Um, and spoilers. where did those tables come from? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So I, I'm just I'm indifferent towards it. It's it's got some good. It's got some bad. Whatever. Zach. Um, I actually had a lot of difficulty with this film. <laughs> Um, cause there's a part of me that really likes a lot of things about it. And then there's another part of me that went, hold up. What's that going on there? So like, I, I don't know. Like if you want to board this train, go ahead. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> just, just, just fuck right off. I would probably go, I would make sure it's a matinee or like you're getting a lower berth and not an upper, but or, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. Yeah. Oh, lower and upper birth is what you. He's making train jokes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna like basically Thomas go completely <laughs> the up the other way and say that now, having already known the story. So I was telling Brad this before we went and saw it. Not knowing anything means that Brad sees a completely different movie than I do mm-hmm. because I watch a movie wondering how they're going to portray this story. Um, and that's, and then yeah. Brad's going to watch a movie trying to figure out a mystery, which is two very different films. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that caveat of I'm coming at it from a I've seen murder, the original film adaptation, uh, I don't know, two dozen times or a dozen times, something like that. Which one's that? Uh, the one with Albert Finney. Um, what year? I don't know. 1974, 70, directed yeah. by um, okay. uh, Sidney Lumet. All right. Thanks, yeah. nerd. Um <laughs> And uh, so I, I actually think this is a really great ad- adaptation. If you're a fan of Murder on the Orient Express, um, this movie takes some liberties in a couple of places, adds a little bit of action to it that is clearly there just because you're, you're kowtowing to modern audiences who can't just sit still. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. I, don't th- I actually don't think it's terrible. I think it's fine. The scenes that they add are fine. We'll, we'll um, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, this is my part. Yeah, I know. Just hold your horses, mister. Um and uh, see, I was thinking, and then and you're, yeah, I'm, I'm you derailed him like a train, Zach. <laughs> ah! oh! A good train joke. <laughs> Thank you. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I think there's some things that they they sort of focused on here that actually give uh, Hercule like a a real arc in a way that maybe a, or a, I would say a better, more pronounced arc, and really like draw into focus how interesting a story this is for that character um, and sort of, you know, the, the themes and the motifs that it's trying to, to play with. So uh, I think it's really great. And I think if you, if you like that story, you should check it out. I can't actually say whether or not it's a good mystery because I didn't have to put it together as I went. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's probably the big difference here. So uh, Can anyway. I ask you guys a question before we play the trailer? Sure. Nope. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was really good. Was your theater like ninety percent old people? Yes. <laughs> no. Oh, ninety nine percent old people. I was oh the only. Gosh, my theater, of course, people. the two old people behind me chatting through the whole thing, and then also fully knocked over a one of those giant Alamo glasses of water, like <gasps> all over their front row, like in the middle, uh, like three fourths through the movies in the, the the quietest moment too. Oh, it reminded me of when I saw Good Night and Good Luck in the theater, where I was like, "Am I just lame?" <laughs> So apparently this drew like the older, the blue yeah. hair crowd. Well, it's you know it's Kenneth Branagh and it's it's Agatha Christie. I, I can see. That. I don't know. If mine, yeah. mine Branagh be as good as Albert Finney. <laughs> mine wasn't. We'll talk about it. Mine wasn't noticeably any different. I don't think. I mean, Were it wasn't. Any... There weren't a lot of like little kids or or anything well, no. like that. You know, it's a PG thirteen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, you want to go see Thor Ragnarok? 
Like you, you play Hulk Smash or, <laughs> or Daddy's Home see, Two, or do you want to see Mustache, the motion picture? Yeah. <laughs> um. Much. Anyway, cool. So here's the trailer for Murder on the Orient Express, 2017. Would you mind if I join you? You're the world-famous detective. Hercule Poirot. Avenger of the innocent. Is that what they call you in the papers? And you are innocent? Huh. <laughs> You're fun. A passenger has died. He was murdered. The murderer is on the train with us now. And every one of you is a suspect. <laughs> so, let us catch a killer. A man was rummaging around my cabin in the middle of the night. You are certain it was a man? I know what it feels like to have a man in my bedroom. What did you think of the dead man? You leave her out of this. Did he have enemies? Pick a number. The real killer is right here. One of you people. We are surrounded by lies. I'm sleeping here, where everyone can see me. And I can see everyone. Who takes up the knife? Cannot trust a one. Another one? Um... That mustache so, is like its own character. It's great. I actually really like <laughs> oh, it. Oh, that, that scene where he's... Even though it's like completely wrong, but it's He great. has like a mustache retainer <laughs> yeah. on. Was yeah. So great. Is that the character's the characterization? Okay. Um, well, so he, or is that, mustache, he, has a, right? he has a mustache that he takes very immaculate care of to the effect that he sleeps with a like mustache net sort of thing. Um, but in the book, it is a fine Belgian almost pencil mustache that he twirls at the end. Yeah, this one. And here they've made it a they a big furry mustache. Really I in my opinion, because the little one would look real silly on Kenneth Branagh's face. Um mm. and so I'm kind of okay with it because I actually think that Kenneth Branagh's performance is that not is, just my favorite part of this movie, but I think a really good Hercule Poirot or at least a you know, he 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 draws the balance between the times when he's an asshole and the times when he's a genius pretty well and has enough energy to sort of keep the movie running in a way that, like, as Albert Finney's is maybe the best Hercule Poirot, like, adaptation, but he's not a very energetic character. Like, you know, he's, uh, he's got a little bit of that Columbo in him where he's just like, oh, I'm the weird Belgian guy that nobody pays any attention to. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one's got sort of that... Um, that swagger that makes him a little bit more interesting to more follow. Eccentric. Um, and that's maybe the the poor adaptation, but makes him a pretty good hero to follow through the film. I was just opinion. curious to know, like, how far Kenneth Branagh is deviating, like, what's really his choice and what's the book. So I was just curious. Not terrible. I mean, the 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 characterization is pretty good. Um, and that I'm not asking you to rate it. I'm just wondering what is different. Yeah. So. I, most of it is is pretty much the same, uh, you know. At least from everything that I've ever seen and the little bits that I've read and all of that. Like my my mom would be the best person to say it, as she's read basically every book. Um, but the that whole issue of like of wanting to find balance and really believing in right and wrong and all of that is part thing. of what makes Murder on the Orient Express 
really special because it is this story where and we're going to get into spoilers if you don't already know it's a story where by the end he has to make a decision and actually start believing in something in the middle that that there is sort of a a kind of of retribution crime that lives in between right and wrong that is a very difficult thing for him to struggle with and I, i think it's part of why i like this one so much because it makes that difficult in in the albert finney adaptation all of that scene happens at once in the train car where he talks to them, tells them his two ideas, and at the end says, but I'm going to just tell everybody that there was a guy who jumped on the train and got off because I can't prove the other one, you know? Like, whereas here, he actually struggles with it thinking, like, I could probably prove the second one, but it's probably not the right thing to do. That's one of the things that I loved about this film as opposed to 74 also because... The 74 version, like, it's a drawing room mystery. Uh, yeah. Only on a train, but it's a drawing room mystery. Right. And the way Lumet did it back in the day is very in keeping with how they might have done it, say, in the 30s. I mean, it's it's a direct adaptation of the book. Yeah, yeah. and so, like, it, it. but there's a difference between a book and a movie in yeah. the way of we how we show emotion. And um, uh, the way they... I don't feel like they draw it out. Like one review I read said that the movie draws out too much, and I don't. I didn't really feel that way because I felt like there was enough going on within each moment to signify it as important. Um, and I there's a epic grandeur to this film that um, I agree. That, I mean, it feels very cinematic. Yeah, yeah. like it. And like somebody told me, like I guess there were 70 millimeter screenings of this film, like on the east and west coast, and that would have been fun to see. Um, so I don't know if he shot in 70 millimeter on some of the film or not, maybe, but, um, it, a lot of it reminded me some of the pacing and some of the moments and the way stuff was staged reminded me of a combination of old style, old studio filmmaking kind of mixed in with some newer techniques. Um, and especially, but especially the way they handle, um, the train traveling and, um, your exteriors and your set pieces, um, is very traditional, um, and like almost like welcome in, in a sure? in a constant plasticky looking CG way. Yeah. No, 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 no. The train itself, like the set piece of when it's stuck on the snow. Oh, once it's already stopped. When you could, well, because no, you said the, the train traveling, and I was like, no, no, I, eh. I should have said when the train stops. When the train's traveling, <laughs> maybe it's, my maybe yeah. my biggest gripe with the film is like, hey, you didn't have enough budget for all the CG. Um, well, I mean, well, and that also. But I mean, I, it's hard for me to hold that I, against I, the movie. I should when have so said little. this. I should have said when the train was snowbound. That's yeah. my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this. There's this element of the film that made me realize, like, by the end of it, like, I, I kind of like, I don't know, like, it's hard because I think they're trying to brand Poirot in a world where it's not enough to sell a movie on a star anymore. You have to have like a character that. Well, yeah, they're definitely setting well, up the yeah. uh, Poirot cinematic universe with that yeah, Nile line. Exactly. <laughs> well, except that they're they are never going to make a sequel to this film, partially because even even if well, if you know the story of uh, of Death on the Nile, like that, they can't tell it now if he, the murder happened and he was over there. Like it, Death on the Nile is much like Murder on the Orient Express, where he's like, "I'm on a boat. Somebody's dead," you know. Um, and it's not a it's a it's another good it's mystery. A perfect setup for a sequel, right? Exactly. <laughs> Remake the movie you just, just made. Do the same thing, yeah. yeah, but in a slightly different. My audience cheered for that. I was like, um, "This must be important." Murder on the yeah. Orient Express two out to sea. 
<laughs> yeah. um, uh, but no, I, but I think all of the performances here, I think, are actually they are. really it's, good. It's amazing, and but like I just to finish what I was saying is like they sold this film on its actors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like, they, like primarily so. But in the trailers, they weren't doing that as much. They were actually like really hitting on it's a Hercule Poirot story. Like they made it very clear who Hercule Poirot is. Yeah. Because I don't think if because like, and that that's what I think is gauging any interest in this film. Yeah. Um, because like the list of actors, like outside of Daisy Ridley and Josh Gad, a lot of them are from like when we were growing up, um, like all the way down to Senor Johnny Depp. And, you know, like, yeah, I, I'm not saying Johnny Depp can't sell a movie anymore because he can obviously am... do it overseas, uh, maybe here, but overseas he still can. But like. This is no disrespect to Johnny Depp, but who the fuck cares if Johnny Depp's in the movie? I don't. I, I was I was only excited about this movie when I found out that he was the guy who died. <laughs> like when I knew that he wasn't going to be in the movie for more than about twenty minutes, I was like, "Oh, good. Oh, okay. I can handle that." Because if he, had, he played a creepy asshole pretty well, yeah, yeah I think he did great. Mm-hmm. Um, Am I the only one who thinks that Josh Gad's like dramatic voice sounds a lot like um, Captain Kirk? What's his name? Oh, William Shatner? No, no, uh, the new one. Oh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm gonna have to go back and listen. Yeah, check it out. I think it's the same. <laughs> um, but kind of it's the same voice. He's ceiling voices. Yeah. Jumping off yeah. of um, Zach's point, I kind of felt like some of the um, characters got lost a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they would pop back up, and I was like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about them. Like uh, the it, Italian dancer, and then like her sister. The, uh, the, and then, yeah. Like, the, yeah. Yeah, the Countess or something. And then, like, the Hispanic guy who had a car dealership. Like, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, I think it points. definitely sort of, you know, it bows would. under the weight of how many characters there are and, all of, and, and mm-hmm. how much story there is. And, of course, how and, much time they give to Poirot. Yeah. Which, um, fair. Which, yeah, but, I, think, I think they ha- kind of have to because you, you, you kind of have to... In order to follow that mystery, I think you have to, A, like that guy and then also... <laughs> fall into the same traps that he is as he's, you know, kind of trying to solve this murder, this murder. And really it follows the characters whose red herrings he goes down. Mm -hmm. Right. So the characters you learn most about are the ones he's going to Mm -hmm. accidentally suspect of being the murderer. Right. Um, The one thing I will say that I think this book, this, this book, this movie does better than the original is where they place the flashback um, or the reveal about the Armstrong murder. Because in the original, they just off the uh, at the beginning they tell you like there was an Armstrong murder. Wonder if that'll come back, and then they like start you on the story. I did like how they drew um, out the suspense like that. Yeah, and so when he finally tells the story, and then even having him have sort of a a tie to it, so that when you figure out like, oh, the true purpose of this story that is different than any other murder mystery is that that it it's drawing into into focus this idea that when a terrible crime like this happens it wrecks so many lives and that somebody like her her Kuparo always wants to find balance and thinks that it's like well this person died and i have to find the person to to punish balance to make skills. it right and doesn't realize that that when the first person dies it actually wrecks so many more lives and there's so much you know other stuff to it mm-hmm. and so like that story is really fantastic, and so then to tie him into it and have him have a link to that murder, uh, to me is actually really brilliant because then, he, in the end, he is also sort of letting himself off the hook, um, or or getting some 
redemption from what they have done uh, or his willingness to let these people go for Mr. Armstrong. Um, I just thought I, I looking at it as, as that adaptation, I think that's the part of it that I really love is, and adding one thing that you guys don't know is that the, the, the gun sequence at the end is also new of him instead of just saying, Oh, you did this, and you did it for a pretty good reason. So, good job, guys. I won't have you it's, go to jail it, again. It's he draw, forces it's, them to make a really human decision mm-hmm. and gives them that opportunity so that he can say, like, if you try to kill me, then I I won't do it. Like he he puts it back in their court and says, like, <coughs> if you're actually bad people, you will stop me. And then when they they don't, then he's like, oh shit! Like you just proved that my whole theory of the world is wrong. That there's not just right and wrong, and that there is a c- crime that can be understood. You when know? you said the gun sequence, I thought you meant the part where the doctor shoots him. Yeah, no, well, that part I don't love, but it's also there for the same reason. Entire plan, right? Um, I uh, and again, like it's the difference of well, how do we transfer this cinema- cinematically? Because what Lumet did was a drawing room mystery. Yeah, and and again, as you said, directly lifted from the book. So, like with this one, I think it is more cinematic, uh, cinematic and dynamic in its in its approach. Um, I'm, and it, again, it's one of the reasons why I I would watch this film again, uh, this particular adaptation. Whereas I'm not like keen on watching Lumet's version like every year, you know. But I could pop this one in when I'm bored, you know. Like it's 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 fun, and I think Braun is a really good filmmaker. He's very smart. My issue, my biggest issue with the film is because it's an adaptation and because I know the characters and whatnot, it, it, it felt odd because the, fo- the, the focus shifts because the original Lumet film and the book is kind of like a, a character piece. Like it's like, uh, like an Altman film to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, in fact, like the original 74 film is sold on its all-star cast mm. the way that this film tried to do, but it's really about Perot. Like the the films in in the editing, you can see clearly like it's it's about Perot. Like everyone's feels peripheral to a degree, unless they like dominate their particular scene. But like, there's not a lot of room to really get to know them. So that I don't feel like the ending is like not impactful, but I do feel it falls short of something that if you had made this film maybe two and a half hours or maybe three hours, oh, that'd be great. I would have had more time to dissect each character. I think we would have gotten like a more, a more a, a, like a, a, there wouldn't be a 58 on the rotten tomato meter and you wouldn't have a bunch of critics whining. Yeah. Like this is a serviceable film. It's in the this, internet. You would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I was like, I think a lot of people would just feel like it was too long. Well, again, yeah. and I look, I've looked at it this way in, in the time that I've saw it. So this, this adaptation reminds me a hell of a lot of when, Fox did Hound of the Baskervilles back in 1939 because there's a lot going on in the novel The Hound of the Baskervilles that is never covered in the Basil Rathbone Nigel Bruce movie. But it's still entertaining, it's still fun, it's serviceable. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of the rating stuff that you're seeing also has to do with like how easy it is in the modern day to market and or just sell a mystery film to modern audiences because you don't see it that often like Mm -hmm. this right like i would say i just talked about prisoners is kind of close like it's the it's as close as you get and that movie is way more actiony adventure like violent dramatic than a 
a traditional mystery film is, but and it's hard. But, like, how do you make? And I think he does a great job of yeah. making it interesting. But again, it is a drawing room mystery, right? Um, and like again, I I nothing really wrong with it. It's just that it doesn't stand out the way it could have if Fox had given him Brandon the the clemency to make a longer film or like find out a way to expand it a little bit. Like, make it an event as opposed to what it felt like, which was, oh, it's coming after Ragnarok and before Justice League. Brad, having known nothing about it, how did you do with the mystery? Like, where did... Because you said earlier, like, I had two I had two ideas and I was right about one of them. Like, yeah. how was your experience trying to unravel the mystery of, of the Orient Express or, you know, did well, you going have into suspicions it, going in? Well, going to, into it, I'm either like, okay, it's either like a really cool, like, find the one killer or everybody did it. And <laughs> everybody's in. And then seeing that play out, I'm going, really? Everybody on this one train is involved in this Armstrong thing? Even the conductor. See, I didn't and, even the conductor. the conductor was a part of it. Yeah. Even, yeah. It's funny. I almost like that wonder. That seems lame to me. Like, it, it's a public train, right? Or is it a private no, train for his it's, like buddy? It's, a, it's an no, no, no. It's a it's a it's a train where like only rich people can really afford to buy the ticket. So they bought every ticket on the train. Yeah, that's the story. They so knew that's where the, the guy would be. Max capacity for passengers on that yes. train. Yeah, the, the max it, capacity it, for passengers on that train is okay. twelve people. It's also, a, it's only like a three three car train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you see it, there's engine. so the other corny thing is like when. In a lot of movies, when the train takes off and all the peasants like cheer on that rich person's train, like leaving the <laughs> yes. station, I'm like, yeah, like waving who to does like, that? Who they are. <laughs> like, I, how silly is that? Like, I think that's what yeah, people did back in the day. Go though. travel, guys. They didn't see trains that often. The 30s, they were like, oh my gosh, it, it, the technology. <laughs> the British people are here to spend money and make us wealthy again. Like, yeah, even that's... though they still oppress so, us, it right, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> if there's only like 12 people on the train, who? Because they were saying in the movie that Poirot took someone who was late. He took their cabin or something. Uh, no. So he's he the yeah, guy the guy spot. whose cabin no. So the guy whose cabin he's bunk- bunking with uh-huh. is not didn't check in. So they didn't think he was there. So that's when why when he gets there he even has the the line where he's like, "Yes, I'm very disappointed in you too." Like he uh. he thought he was gonna have that cabin alone, and then he gets there and the guy's there. Mm-hmm. So he's not supposed the train is supposed to be full, mm-hmm. and only because he knows the guy who owns the train does he get into so, to bunk in one but of But there's rooms. this one guy who wasn't part of the plan that just missed it. He didn't check in, so it's like No, the guy is there. It's the guy is in So he just failed to check in. Yeah, he just didn't okay. check in. Uh I don't remember which one it is, but they show you like in Wasn't that scene, the, the guy's there because it was Gad. He went yes. to his cabin yes. or something. It's yeah, it's Josh Gad. On a personal note, I went to the landmark Greenwood Village Theater for this, and they did not calibrate their sound correctly. So the first fifteen minutes of the movie, where they are setting everything up, was like a muffled piece of nonsense. Well, that's why you don't go to yeah. So, so when he gets the ticket from his his uh, buddy right. in the bakery or whatever, <laughs> they think Josh Gad's going to show up, but he's not. No, so at they, that point. <coughs> so wait, they, then who's Josh Gad, did he take? He's he's actually bunked with Josh Gad, but Josh Gad doesn't go to sleep that night. I think right because he stays up and he's drinking, and that's his excuse for not being in the cabin with Hercule. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so his buddy's like, it seemed like Hercule was. Hey, this guy's not here. You should take his spot. Okay, so <laughs> there are twelve spots, right? One of the guys, as they're going, one of the guys has not checked in. 
but he didn't check in, but he's on the train. He like, he got on the train without checking in. So when the guy gives is like, Oh, well this guy will take his spot. And so Hercule gets there and he's already in the room. He just doesn't get a cabin. Yeah. He doesn't get a cabin by himself. He is now bunking with this other guy. Yeah, exactly. That's the story. So they share a bed. It's not like a bunk bed. No, there's more than one. There's more than they're they're sharing a cabin. Right. So because it's a fancy people train, Technically, like like the 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 count and countess, they have their own little cabin, right? Yeah. Like e- each each group of yeah, people but, has but their own cabin, but Poirot he ends up sharing. Prizes his like solitude, so I'm surprised that he accepted to share a cabin with somebody. Well, he, he doesn't really has an option. Yeah, yeah he like, has to get on that train, right? Because um, the guy who he asks if he's a prostitute, which is a funny line, <laughs> uh, says like, "We need you in so and so for this this yada, right. yada, yada, yeah yeah so. um, yeah." Yeah, they they go through it, but it's yeah, um, um, but yeah. yeah I, so, but okay. So we were getting back to you putting together sort of when you because I will say it's unfortunate. <sighs> the thing that's special about this one is that nobody had ever written one where everybody did it. Like this, it was a big, cool, <laughs> mind blowing thing. That then, yeah, probably today with a more savvy group that maybe has heard about this kind of stuff before. The fact that you kind of went in going like, yeah, it's probably one of these two things, like, kind of blows the blows the cover for sure. It was sure. the seven of its day. Hmm. Yes. Seven, a poor man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so when did you, like, when did you figure out what were the clues? What were the things where you were like, oh, it's totally this? Well, I think once it started to, like, all tie into the Armstrong yeah. murder, like, it just keeps coming up. I'm just like, oh, yeah, everyone on this train's involved. Yeah. Which One I felt th- like they went through that, like, family tree little exposition thing really, really fast. fast. Yeah. Because, like, whenever the, um, I don't know, Judy Dench's character was like, yes, I'm Daisy's godmother, and I was best friends with her grandmother or something or whatever, and I'm like, yeah. wait, who? Yeah. Linda right. Arden was a thing yeah. and somebody, yeah. and I was, I was confused. Again, that's the other thing more time. left me cold, too, is, like, they rushed through all those details to the mm-hmm. point where I was like, like I know they did it, and I don't care how like how they're related to it. <laughs> yeah, um, I just know that's the solution. So, but yeah, like I, is a uh, Michelle Pfeiffer like she's the original actress? She's the that was, she's, grandma of she's the little the, girl who died, right? Yes, yes, she's the grandmother of Daisy Armstrong. So she's who Lin- had the miscarriage? She's Linda Arden's mom. No, no, the little girl who died. So she's the, the mother of the woman who of the abducted. had a miscarriage and died. Okay, who shot Jr. Yeah. So her all valid her, questions. Her and the daughter woman who had a miscarriage was the mother of the girl who was abducted. Yes. So Daisy Daisy gets abducted by Johnny Depp. He ransoms her back. They pay the ransom. He kills the kid and leaves it in the woods. Takes the money, flees to Europe, and sells art like fake art, like the Lindbergh they, baby, but kind of dumb. Yeah. It's and then the mother dies. The father kills himself. And Michelle Pfeiffer is the grandmother of the baby, okay. the mother of the mother. Um, yeah, and then everybody else is who is Kaiser connecting in some way. So, yeah, or some people are connected to like other people who like yeah. You know. And so wait, like the lady who is married to the Italian guy, she's Daisy's sister, right? Oh yes. Yes, okay, she's yeah. Daisy's then, sister. But then Daisy Ridley's character no, is no, the governess. No no, 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 she's Daisy's... Wait, when you say Daisy, do you mean the baby or Daisy Ridley? No, the baby. Okay, so no, she's Daisy's aunt. Oh, okay. She's Linda Arden's really sister. I was really confused. 
because something about how like Daisy Ridley was the governess. She and is. Then I was the like, Daisy, Daisy Ridley is like super young. Like she's like my age. How Daisy Ridley, yeah, yeah. Daisy Ridley is the governess of of Daisy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then or Penelope Cruz yeah. is the babysitter maid. She was like, the nurse. She's nurse. the nurse. nursery maid. Nursery yeah. maid. Yeah. Um, who watches? The but yeah, Daisy Ridley's <laughs> supposed to be like in her forties, but she's Daisy Ridley, so she's. I don't think she has to be in her forties. I don't think it's been that like, like governess of the estate. Like, what does that mean? It means she's she's a nanny. Yeah, she's she, she's she kind of teacher. a maid. Yeah, like okay. yeah. Um, no, I don't think she's not a maid. I'm just saying, like I'm she's gonna... she's not like some in some high position. She, would, she was in charge of instructing the kids. Yeah, you have to call Teaching her governess. Them. But at that point, like a tutor, nanny, but like for. Girls mostly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But for a, a three-year-old who they don't really establish how long it's been since the Armstrong murders, but clearly not that long. So I don't think it's like yeah, because Poirot had gotten the letter from yeah. Uh, I would Armstrong. say it's like I don't know six to eight years. Yeah. Um, oh, I was thinking it was like a year, maybe. Uh, I I think if you it, like I if mean, you look if at how Mr. long Armstrong it took them to just shot himself because he I don't think the... he just shot himself. <laughs> Like all of that is because he, he got a letter or because Poirot got a letter from a whatever. I don't care. But the, all of that is See? is in the past. Yeah. Well, yes, we got that much. Yeah. Yeah. The letter he gets at the very beginning was that the Armstrong case, like a lead in the Armstrong case, or was that something different that he never no, made so, it to? So he at the beginning he wants to take a break, but gets a letter saying that he has to go get involved in this other case that, or like do some follow up stuff on a case that he really doesn't want to do. Um, but he's got to get on the train for that reason. So he's a separate. Not yeah, Armstrong. he's on the train for completely unrelated to Armstrong reasons. Mm-hmm. The letter from Armstrong was presumably years earlier when the murder happened. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, clearly not as clear as it should have been, which again, is too bad. Again, three hour movie. But if you really like uh, Murder on the Orient Express, I think it's really great. And, and <laughs> Something that, like, when I go back and rewatch the Albert Finney one, I will I will miss a few of the changes that they made to this. Um, they also move a couple characters around and shift some stuff, but not in a way that I think is detrimental. I don't understand why, like, every, like again, like, I'm, I know I'm going back to the critics on this one, but, like, David Edelstein on the New York Times was like, Can what, get was fucked. The, what was the point of, like, remaking the movie? And he said, I guess I don't know. And I'm like, well, first of all, who's directing this movie? It's Kenneth Branagh, and he does this thing, guys. I don't know if you do this. He takes work that's been done before and restages it. Um, it was by this guy named Bill Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, but that's not. It, it's it, it's not that simple. You, it, in this it case, can be. But he no. This was a really good, uh, in my in in my opinion, a a good script adaptation of of the at least of the novel that does some really interesting things, maybe doesn't tell the mystery well enough. Like, I think that's maybe the problem. I, I think there are really good reasons to make this, this, this I did, I, I'm not there's a lot I'm of people who I, haven't seen it. I, well, I, and I didn't finish what I was saying. I said, first of all, Kenneth yeah. Branagh is doing this. He, he is known to restage things. Yeah. But I think it's flippant to just say like, Oh, he's the guy who takes things that people that, that, but other again, people I wasn't done finished. And sure. <laughs> so, and second of all, like, you can reinterpret stories like yeah. Maltese Falcon was made twice before they got it right the third time, guys. Right. Like it's not like the, this. The remakes have been around forever. This they is not make Jane Eyre every like three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, this yeah. is not something new. The internet seems to think it's something new, and it's fucking not. Like that's one of the things. Like I don't like slash film when they 
say like oh like the the remake generation like no the remake generation has literally been since the birth of this industry yeah oh maybe yeah it's I just agree. that more remakes are being done now i feel I mean, like, it's not that remakes are being yeah. done it's just that there's so many it makes sense just, there's a lot more to remake a, yeah and there's, yeah. All, there's also a lot more money on the line like mm-hmm. there everybody is a little bit more saturation yeah another question when josh gad tries to escape the train yeah. Is that in the book in the, or the original one? Uh, not like that. Because um, I'm like, yeah, it seems like something they made up for this movie, but yeah. it's stupid because he's going to run out into the snow and try to survive like away from the train I to get he away. Just to he's just stuff. trying to get rid of the papers and then gets caught trying to get rid of those papers. It's an action scene they add because they're afraid you're going to get bored with just people talking for three hours. See, all I saw was just him trying to escape. I didn't see anything about the papers. Oh, yeah. He's got a handful no, of was, papers. He was, he's, burning, he was burning papers. There's yeah. a yeah, shot. He's, oh, a quick one, but there's a shot. <laughs> yeah, he is very clearly trying to get rid of papers that he's burning because um, mm. that's why he's outside. Why doesn't he just fling them off the cliff? Yeah. Yeah. Like because they needed an. I I I will go back to that's a action yeah, scene they, they added scene. because they needed an action scene, right? Yeah. Like, uh, because if no one ever, easy, you know, easy. I need yeah. to look in the BTS and see if they shot this in seventy millimeter, like with the cameras itself. Because I don't, I don't think looked, they did. No, well, well, one you did a seventy millimeter print on East and West Coast, so maybe you did. Yeah, but like I would love to see like how like the full scope scope of that, you know? Yeah. So I just like I liked. Kenneth Branagh, I liked his, I don't know, take on Poirot, although mm-hmm. I've never seen any other adaptations of Poirot. But sure. I guess I'm just kind of over all these kind of Sherlockian kind of characters who can just, like, look at you and then, like, know your entire life story. Or they see, like, this tiny little thing, and then they know, like, everything that's ever happened in the world. You don't like the science of deduction. <laughs> no, I, th- I think actually, I think that's fair. It, they're they're magical, like they're yeah, they're exactly you know yeah. And granted, I think it was more just in the beginning because I think once you really get into the mystery, it's more of just like actual police work, you know, like interviewing yeah. people, mm-hmm. kind of eliminating you know alibis and evidence and all that kind of stuff. Right. But at the very beginning, I was like, I don't like this. He's basically just Agatha Christie's Sherlock. And then yeah. as it went on, I was like. Oh, I really like Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. Like, yeah. other than the mustache, which was a little too much. <laughs> I I think they're trying to sort of make you make you see people the way that or see him the way other people do because mm-hmm. everybody kind of comments on like you're like this magician, and then once you see him in the meat of it, because that's the other thing they add that thing at the beginning, I believe, mm. uh, just to sort of give you that like, oh, this is who this character is, and like trying to get you. To I want to be in the right opening. Too. Yeah, I thought it was way better than just the cold open of like, hey, this guy's on a boat. You know, I want to be in the writers' room when Kenneth Branagh is like, okay, you know, I really sell my character if I stepped in a pile of shit. And Twice. then to sell that I have to have balance, I'll do it again. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought it was very, it was striking and memorable. Um, it was different. I will at least say that. I liked uh, the him sticking the cane in the wall. Yeah. That, and then, but, and but then it came is, back in. But that is very saying. Sherlock. Like, yes. Like it's that, like how does he know? omniscient. Yeah. Like, I get that he's smart, but... Yeah. Stop making semi-omniscient characters. And it's contrary to then who he becomes later, because the whole point of this one is that he can't solve this one. Like he he keeps going down these these red herrings and having all these problems and like. But I, the one reason it, I think it does work to have that one at the beginning is that he has a comment later on about how there's like there's too many clues and too much evidence mm. in this murder, mm-hmm. whereas like the only clue he has in the first one is a boot print, and just just by the fact that he accuses the guy and the guy goes. 
ah, shit, and runs away, you go like, oh, okay, it was him, you know? Mm-hmm. Simplicity versus intricacy. Right. right. Whereas in this case, like, the fact that he has all these clues and sees all these things and, like, goes down all these red herrings because there's there's too much information, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree. He's he's almost, yeah, they're, they're, they're magical characters, and it can be kind of annoying. Um, Plot device. Yeah. So, Cool. His mustache uh, should get an not, Oscar. I'm just saying. They're omniscient until they're not. <laughs> uh, next week we're going to see Justice League? We could see nah. three billboards Damn right. outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, I'm going to go see what three billboards. with you? <laughs> I mean, no, the movie of the week will be Justice League, but, I mean, I'm going to find a way to go see three billboards. Well, we just, yeah. we just got a text message about uh, that. Well, yeah. I mean, um, so. so, yeah, we'll we'll see if uh, if DC can pull it off again. Hopefully they can. Um, or hopefully, you know, Whatever Joss caught, he was able to to make something great out of. So, uh, Corinne, thanks so much for coming. Thanks, guys. This was great. It was. Um, you should come back again. Mm, I won't if Zach's still here. Ah, damn, right. savage. Zach, you're off the show. Had to get one. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> Real fucking people. Yes, I, uh, yes, the fan favorite over here. Brad, I don't, I don't have to put this one to a vote, right? Oh no! Okay, good. I didn't <laughs> think so. Yeah. Ryan decided before the show even started, so to go with. <laughs> I, th- I think I was off the island the moment I stepped into this apartment. So. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Yep. Thanks, guys. Till then, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. 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 Fuck you, Brad. <laughs> what? <laughs> Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds podcast.